You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. And welcome to episode 66 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I came to the realization that I'm pretty much like a child star. All the waking up in gutters, weight gain, drug and alcohol binges, taking swings at cops. You know, pretty much all of it except the fame and fortune part. And the cute part. Aw. Aw. I've seen pictures of Josh when he was younger. I was, uh-huh. a I was younger. I was yes, a pedophile. he was very much younger. <laughs> I was a pedophile. I'd totally go after that. <laughs> if only. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, welcome to the Child Actors episode one. Uh, they don't all end up broke, overdosed, and dead in a ditch. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if we covered all of them, including the ones that were hot messes, we'd... The show would probably be four or five hours, so we focused on a, a pretty tight list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't want to get too loose on this one because we, I mean, there's a lot of, for everyone that you think that burned out and flamed out and, you know, is now selling blenders on late night TV, uh, there's a couple, quite a few of them actually that have made, made good and stuck around and done well for themselves. But before we get into that, I would like to talk about Musings of a Geek Radio Network. Musings of a Geek Radio. No, Geek Life Radio and Musings of a Geek Network. <laughs> <laughs> been a long week that's our, that's our intrepid leader yes follow me boys so yeah you can tune into the musings of a geek podcast network at uh www.musingsofageek.com and listen to such shows as dark angels and pretty freaks the history of bad ideas sweating the small stuff graphic novice the Q from Hell, Sad Robot, The Culture Babble Podcast, How Is This Movie, That'll Play, Arrow of Time, and Moving the Needle. Cool. I mean, there's some others, you, too. And on, Every uh, time you say sweat in the small stuff, it always makes me think of that George Carlin pet, you know, pet the sweaty stuff. Hmm? Yeah, you know, George Carlin, he had the, the line, he's like, uh, don't sweat the small stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff. <laughs> no, but that's awesome. That's words to live by. That is. Yeah. And if you do, carry hand sanitizer. <laughs> All right. If you'd like to hear us on sources other than the Musings of a Geek podcast network, you can always check us out on Geek Life Radio. That's Saturdays at noon. Yes. Or you can download our old shows at iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, or TalkShoe. You can listen to us at noon on Saturday when you're parasailing or repelling. Oh, Mike's upgrading his weekend. (laughs) Yeah. No more while you're dusting the gutters. No, man. It depressed me because, like, the next day I actually said out loud, we should go to World Market and get... And and the second it came out of my mouth, I'm like, shit. (laughs) It's not just a joke. My weekends are lame. (laughs) Well, I found myself in World Market shopping the other day, and I was like, oh, damn it. (laughs) I spent $150. On grapes. (laughs) On licorice. Licorice? Uh, you bought $150 worth of licorice? Was I it... planned not to poop for a month. 
Was it organic <laughs> and biodegradable? It soon will be. <laughs> once, it, once it works its way out, it will be. They have they have that Bunda beer. They have that really good root beer there, that Australian root beer there. Isn't that yeah. a character from Lord of the Rings? Yes. <laughs> well, if you'd like to talk about Lord of the Rings, licorice, or Bunda beer, you can always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. <laughs> that was the best transition ever. <laughs> Nice Sieg. Could have crammed it in there faster if it was you had a, hor- a shoehorn with that, man. <laughs> There's my space. Go! <laughs> hey, I hear we have some talk back. We do have some talk back. Uh, we've got a voicemail. Cool. I uh, more feedback on Batman shows from Mr. Pegleg Pete. Here we go. Wee. Hey, Cordy going on 14. It's Pegleg Pete. I'm listening to the Batmon uh, episode where you're talking about the movies. And I just wanted to remind you guys, uh, you are talking about how you don't like the way that Michael Keaton played Batman because he was killing people. I just want to let you guys know that Michael Keaton is an actor, and he only does what the script tells him to do. So the fact that he was killing dudes didn't really have much to do with Michael Keaton's performance. So you can have other problems with it if you want, but Batman killing dudes has nothing to do with Michael Keaton's. All right, uh, talk to you guys later. I don't think we were necessarily blaming that on Michael Keaton. We were just saying that was what Michael Keaton's Batman was doing. I was blaming Right. I mean, I don't know how else you criticize it uh, to make it clear that you're not necessarily saying, well, this is a fault in his performance. Not that there weren't faults in his performance, but like what I didn't like about Michael Keaton's Batman. And uh, yeah, he's a part of that. He's the easiest, like most front forward part of it but obviously the writers and the director hold a greater deal of the blame thanks obama <laughs> yes and obama so is that all that we have uh did we have any uh emails i don't think so no no emails no, a lot of uh, random tweets but mostly about uh holiday stuff and congratulating us on reasons and shows nothing nothing crazy wacky kind of whoo you know what though i have to say i'm glad the christmas season's come around we are watching like a different christmas movie every day this week that's a good thing it is we just watched muppet christmas carol with michael kane i'm gonna be putting up my little christmas town tomorrow your little christmas is it made of x licorice (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be so happy i'm not in retail anymore (laughs) yeah i bet Uh, yeah it's a good time to not be working in retail you know what you guys gotta see for Christmas movies, it's not really a Christmas movie, but it's a, it's a, like a kind of pseudo Christmas movie. The Hogfather. It's based what? off. It's by no. It's it's based <laughs> off a book by no. no. It's, I did, it's the Godfather as told through pigs. Yes. Charlotte's oh. Web meets the Godfather. I did not expect Mike to say that. No, the ho- yeah, the Hogfather. It's it's a movie like, based like off Christmas. <laughs> the Terry Pratchett book Hogfather, where uh, Father Christmas is they're uh, the great auditors of the universe are making people stop believing in them. So Father Christmas is disappeared. So death takes his place, and then in this you well, that's also extreme. It, it's it's fantastic. That escalated it's a, quickly. Yeah, and then you get the because there's so much of this belief just sort of flying around. They can't just get a medium demon to take his place. It's no. got to be death. Full on death. Isn't he busy? No. I mean, Pazuzu's out of work ever since '74. So exactly. Well, '76. Well, if Santa, if you're gonna get someone, get the right guy. You know. But, yeah, death is played by Ian Richardson. That's pretty death, sweet. Death yeah. is already busy. You know how many people get, get killed a day? A lot. Well, he's going to be circling the world as Santa Claus anyway, so it just picks him up on the way. Yeah, you drop off a present, pick up Grandpa. Yeah. I say he I say he better get a pay raise. 
this addition to his job description. Now, one of the one of the things that shows up on during the movie is because there's all this belief floating around because people aren't believing in Santa Claus, so there's free floating belief. So random gods are just sort of appearing along with the oh god of uh, hangovers. <laughs> I get it. You Wait, get it? George Burns. What you said? Oh yeah. god appears. Never mind. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. Right. Music, movies, and TV, and sports. <laughs> it gets me every time. No, but I, I, I haven't recorded it in there. He just does it every time now. So, <laughs> so, so the, the time you finally put it in there, he's going to do it anyway. And it's going to be like a double And sports, speed and sports. <laughs> Mm. Oh, okay, hang on, I had to get a drink there. All right, so this weekend, September 19th, 1989, because that is the premiere of Doogie Howser, MD. Yay. Nice. Yay. So uh, music, Jen Jackson's Miss You Much is number two, but the top song on the charts is Millie Vanilli's, uh-oh, G-I-G-M-Y. Yes, uh, that's uh, Gigolos in Giant Mauve Yamakas. Uh, Jerry popular song. in George Martin Youth. What? What? <laughs> that that does sound like a Millie Vanilli song. It actually. might as well be. I mean, not like yeah. they had anything to do with it. Girl, I'm gonna miss you. Wow. I, I like uh, mine better. Lion. <laughs> uh, oh, it's the mauve that makes it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> mauve yamakas. It sounds like a weekend at Mike's. What? Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, never mind. Uh, September 22nd, 1989, Irving Berlin, Russian-born American composer and songwriter, dies at 101. Holy cow. He had a pretty good life, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, uh, God, man, he was did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, prolific. It was really sad, though, when he lost his house, because they were tearing down the Berlin Wall, and they just got a little carried away. <laughs> and sports! <laughs> You know he okay. I'm uh, looking to see. Okay, keep moving on. No, sorry. he's. I'm. Yes. Lo- I'm. I'm, I'm, dry, I'm. I got confused here because I'm like he did stuff for Simpsons. Oh no, that's they used his music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> no, but he did uh, putting on the Ritz, top hat, white tie, and tails. Um, Although uh, technically he could have done something for the Simpsons because he was alive during the Simpsons. That's true. Yep. Oh, he wrote Harlem on My Mind, White Christmas. Uh, God, God bless America. Very for the po- lyrics. prolific. Yeah. Cheek to cheek. I mean, just amazing. I mean, it's one of those guys that you don't realize how much stuff he's done. Guy was good. Uh, movies. Sea of Love. Wolf. Premieres at, a hun- at 101. This week. <laughs> <laughs> premieres crap. at number one this week. And then is knocked off by Black Rain. I actually kind of like Black Rain. I remember seeing Sea of Love. I remember. Which being- one is that? Uh, with Al Pacino. That's the um yeah, the Pacino one. Um uh, Ridley Scott directed it. With uh um, a very unlikely serial killer. I can't think of who played it though. Uh, uh, uh Ellen Barkin was she? Yeah, Ellen Barkin. Yeah. Pacino was the lead. Hold on. Looking it up. Not the song. Yeah. Ellen Yeah, I have the same problem. Uh Al Pacino, Google. Ellen Barkin, and John Goodman. You know, I don't John, think I ever saw this. John Goodman had, plays I the love interest. I saw Michael Rooker, Samuel L. Jackson as black guy. <laughs> William Hickey? Come on, you can't go wrong with William Hickey. Oh, I love William Hickey. And Richard Jenkins. Have... Jenkins. That's what I was trying to think of. Oh, Richard. Yeah, I may have to see this. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty good cast. Yeah, it's it's a decent movie. It's a little yeah. weird, but it's good. And lots of Ellen Barkin. Yeah. And Black Rain, though, I like that one too. Michael Directed Douglas. by Harold Becker. And uh Black Rain was a Ridley Scott joint. Yep. Oh, is that okay, I got it mixed up. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, uh, Michael Douglas fighting against the Yakuza. Yeah. With a helicopter, right? Oh, no, that's the car in that one. What was it? Well, never mind. Blue Thunder was the helicopter. Black Wayne was the, like, sports, black sports car or whatever. And what was, no, like, no, no, no. What was the one with Tommy Lee Jones in the sports car? Uh, uh, black Moon Rising. Under Siege? No, Black Moon Rising. <laughs> Dark Under Siege? Dark, under siege, Dark Moon Rising. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones was, was in that. What was the one about the helicopter in in Afghanistan? Uh, Black Hawk Down. <laughs> Who did Samuel L. Jackson play in Sea of Love? <laughs> um, uh, uh, he played Irving Berlin. That's true. Next, <laughs> Irving Berlin played by Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, and on September fourteenth, Ma- Madonna is granted a divorce from Sean Penn. Well, poop. He immediately punches the judge. <laughs> so. Moving on, uh, TV Doogie Howser, MD, starring Neil Patrick Harris as a teenage physician, debuts on ABC, uh, starting his claim and rise to fame. Uh, September 18th, Alien Nation debuts. Yes. I don't remember this one. I vaguely remember that, but I always get Alien Nation and the original V mixed up. Alien Nation was the one where they drank spoiled milk and they had the big uh, bulbous heads. Yes, yes, I remember that now. It was a movie and then it got made into a TV show and comic books. Not to be confused with War of the Worlds, which was also out at this time, too. And V was the one where they ate gerbils and they were actually reptiles underneath their skin. Yes, with Robert England. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Mark Singer. Yes, Mark Singer. Yes. Uh... ABC also debuts a new programming block for Friday nights called TGIF. Go ahead, Josh. What do you think that means? Josh, that's thank God it's Friday. Come on. Okay. <laughs> I'm. I'm, but I'm setting you up. Uh, I don't stuff. think that one was there to trip us up. No. Uh, from eight to ten o'clock, they showed us four shows: Full House, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers, and Just the Ten of Us. Not to be ridiculous. With uh, all sorts of different hosts, and this block would become I a radio. I hated that block. The fam- <laughs> Friday Friday nights. The- oh my god, the ABC Friday Night block. I mean, it had the most banal, crappy comedies. How can you hate Balky? Yeah, oh, easy. Come on. Yeah, I, I actually don't think I. After the initial year of everyone quoting him. I was done with that show. Even at the time, I, I didn't like it, and I don't like it now. Yeah, I actually really never liked it. It's very shitty, but it's just fun to make fun Lady of. Lady Appleton? <laughs> I actually, actually kind of liked uh, Family Matters before it became the Steve Urkel show. Like, you'll look at the first season and a half. Yeah, when the daughter just disappears. Yeah. And nobody did I notices. do that? She went into porn. You know that, right? She did. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's for next week. <laughs> no, it's not. No, child, so the next the, the next burnout child the stars. This is, is the good week. on the child stars. That'll be the bad. Oh. Yeah. Why? What did you research? I thought you meant like <laughs> next week's show. Oh. Uh. So sport. <sighs> Shit. Tyreek. Yes. Tyreek Evans of NBA's New Orleans Pelicans is born on September nineteenth, nineteen eighty nine. So that. Also that day, an appeals court restores the America's Cup to the U.S. after the New York Supreme Court gave it to New Zealand after New Zealand protested the U.S.'s use of a catamaran. I remember this. My father was extremely pissed off about the whole protest thing because, mm. we, it's, well, the, the World's Cup is just, I mean, I'm sorry, the America's Cup is just something that we watch in the house. Have you seen it recently? They, they no, all have. I've ha- seen they it, all- never. Yeah, I was going to say, if by recently you mean ever, then yeah. no. Well, they used to have boats with sails. Now they have catamarans. Now everybody's switched over to catamarans. They have these, in the catamarans, those boats that have like the two pontoons on either side and like a trampoline in the middle. Oh, okay. Okay. And they, but these, these things hold like 20 guys, and they don't have sails. 
they have wings. They have literally have like almost like a airplane wing, but it's super light and sitting 90 degrees from the uh, from the center of the boat. And these things go ridiculous speeds on these things. And this, wow. you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? No, no idea. Okay, <laughs> they go really fast. Tampons. Yes, <laughs> tampons. They don't use boats. They float on rafts with, made of tampons with wings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they barely touch the water. Yeah, that's the thing. I know mean, that, I've no, seen they'd absorb it all if they did. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> no. Pat, Patrick is actually right because they they do barely touch the water. Because now when they when they really start going, they drop these almost these feet off the bottom of the boat. These little like angled uh, pyro. Um, fiberglass feet and the entire boat will raise like three four feet up out of the water so they have as little contact with the water as possible and then they go even faster so Guys, we got I'm, I'm sorry i put something about the america's cup in in the this weekend. <laughs> something it's a sport i like man it's, hey it ties into new zealand so yeah it's just so we've got wings, feet, and a trampoline. Yes. <laughs> the, the thing I am imagining is pretty sure not a boat. Well, these are some bare. sort of yeah, like a white Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. So there's that. Shall we move on? Yes. Oh, Please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are we talking about a sport that you're not into now, Pat? <laughs> no, we're talking about catamarans. <laughs> You know, you can get those fixed at an ophthalmologist. Uh, So anyway, the main show, Childhood Stars, the good. All right, now we did a draft on these guys. We tried to figure out, you know, how many we were going to do, which was a long discussion. (laughs) Unnecessarily long. (laughs) A lot of insults. Yeah, as as is everything, a long and unnecessary conversation was made. Um, Full of insults, yes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like the show. And ended ended with the standard, I don't care what the hell happens, as long as somebody agrees to this. So, <laughs> so uh, we picked uh, two apiece, and we're going to go over the, uh, the two that we picked off and what they did then, and then we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about what they're doing now. So I guess I've got the lead out. Oh, I know what he's doing now. Dudes. <laughs> What? One dude. One, well, dude. one one dude. Very handsome dude. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. So Neil Patrick Harris, uh, who is now everywhere, even more so than when he was Do- Doogie Hauser. Uh it's, he is forty one years old and is known for uh like I said, Doogie Hauser and a I don't know. I keep wanting to talk about what he did now, but I won't do that. He's known for Doogie Howser. It was his big breakout thing. He was actually nominated for a Golden Globe for it, and he did a couple stints on other random shows at that time, like Murder, She Wrote, which everybody was on. But his initial breakout role was in 1988, playing opposite Whoopi Goldberg in, what's it called? Clara's Heart. Oh. Yeah, Clara's Heart. David is a teenager whose parents are in a deteriorating marriage after their infant daughter dies. Clara is a chambermaid at a Jamaican resort. <laughs> I know what happens next. Together they solve crimes in New Orleans. Oh, I was going to say porn. In a In a town called what a, what Clara's a Heart. <laughs> I never saw that coming. That's what she said. Yeah, see? Porn. <laughs> like everything else on the internet, porn. Oh, yeah. So uh, so that's his big breakout was sadly in that. And after that, he did something called the Purple People Eater. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, you got to start somewhere. And uh, this one is the it's playing with uh, Ned Beatty and Shelley Winters. They become cops in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Dude I, I, we have to see this, Joel. Ned Beatty, Shelley Winters, Neil Patrick Harris, Peggy Lipton and Little Richard. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
where they work out of a bar called the Purple People Eater. God. If you've got a problem. <laughs> and someone named Shonda Whipple. <laughs> so, oh, Shonda. Yeah. So, but then in Doogie Howser MD, he plays the young kid who is acceleratingly intelligent, goes through college, winds up as a doctor. And uh, I actually tried to find some of the shows. I watched some clips and that sort of thing. And you, in this one, you can really see his attitude. Has have, Did any of you guys watch any Doogie Howser over the last week? No, but I've seen – I used to watch it when it was on. If you watch yeah. it, go back and watch it. And he, his mannerisms and the way he moves, you know, almost kind of abruptly is very evident in, in the old shows. But, uh, no, he did not He did that. And he also had some spots on Captain Planet and the Planeteers. And he also played a character on Blossom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was, I mean, then Doogie Howser went until 1993. And uh, after that, he had kind of a, uh, kind of a uh, dead, a dead, yeah, let's say a, a, let's say a slump. Yeah. Because he did things like, raise your hand if you remember Capital Critters. Oh my gosh, I do. Pat? Oh God, no. <laughs> it's terrible. It lasted like a day, but. It, no. Uh, the Adventures of the Rodent and Insect Inhabitants that Live Inside the White House. What? Who <laughs> join forces to solve crimes in New Orleans. <laughs> Capital Critters. Now, you would think it's it's listed from 1992 to 1995, but there's only 13 episodes. Exactly. So it's like they made it, and then they like beat them like, down, and they snuck another one out. They had filler. Epi- they made filler. It's like schedule. Sherlock. It's an hour and a half long each episode. Yep. Or something. Because there's just so much gold there to mine. You can't just do a half hour on road in the White House. Yeah. Uh, he also did yeah, something ca- called uh, Animal Room, which another. it's another... I wish I had time to watch these movies because it's Matthew Lillard and Neil Patrick Harris. I guess maybe it's like a smaller version of Animal House. They couldn't get the whole house. <laughs> so We're mocking all these things, but uh, they gave, what, four years to frickin' Doogie Hauser? Uh, 89 to 93? 97 Dad. episodes? Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like Neil Patrick Harris now, but uh, th- this was uh, a show which irrationally outraged me at the time. Would, would you have <laughs> liked it more if it was on TGIF? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. Well, uh, I'd like to Doogie Hauser. You despite, would. Despite all its faults. I, I, I knew what was wrong with it, and I still liked it anyway. Yeah, I could see you sitting on the couch when you were going, I'm smart like that. I could be a doctor. <laughs> like, how come I'm not a doctor? He's I, got special shoes like me. <laughs> I, I need a robe. I could buy a stethoscope too. Yeah. Shut up, Patrick. Patrick and guns. He got, he got arrested later at the Walgreens walking around in a robe carrying a clipboard. <laughs> Let me inspect you. <laughs> he had a cardboard box that he colored uh, the a little green screen on it so he could type his uh, little uh, journal entries yeah, before so. each episode. <clears throat> well, uh, there. I mean, he has a lot of B-movies, and then one that I think stands out where he plays Carl Jenkins, the psychic trooper from Starship Troopers. That would have been 97? 1997. Yeah, that, hmm. was, that was right at the cusp before... He had a little bur- lull after that, and then things started to finally pick up. Yeah, he uh, he. F- well, let's say F- the one thing I remember about I recall about Starship Troopers. One going to see Star Tro- Starship Troopers, but who was with me when well, I went I, to go see it with you? you well, yeah, we went to go see Starship Troopers. But what what was else was out at the same time? Mimic. Who went to go see Mimic? Because I know we went with our buddy Jay, and we got into the movie, and about a quarter of the way through the movie, there's uh, now if you haven't seen Mimic, it's a um, Mira Servino. Mira Servino. It's directed by um, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. It's really good. It's about these cockroaches that have evolved to the point where they're mimicking humans and eating them. And we're sitting in the theater, 
And Jay turns to me about a third of the way through the movie and goes, why aren't they in space? (laughs) 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 Wrong movie, Jay. Just go with it. (laughs) Oh, okay. So. (laughs) Where's Cameron Diaz? So, but he did, he he did. uh, Oh, I love Jay. Yeah. (laughs) He did a lot of TV movies in this time, you know, like the the Christmas Wish, (laughs) Joan of Arc. Then he jumped on Will and Grace for one character. And then he did a show with uh, Tony, was it Tony Shalhoub? Stark Raving Mad? Hmm. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh no yeah Tony Shalhoub Neil Patrick Harris Eddie McClintock uh something called Stark Raving Mad that only lasted twenty two episodes it was all right yeah but he uh I mean he really he had his big to do as Doogie Howser and I think it's Starship Troopers I mean because I that's I love that movie but um the movie and stinks. honest we know what your thoughts are yeah, and we talked about this in the RoboCop episode <laughs> yeah but it's a bunch I know that all right so anyway but he really he he was almost on the road to burning out. Because, like, he had this huge Doogie Howser thing, and then he just, like, as you look at his IMDb, he just goes down, down. Oh, I got in a movie. Um, now I'm doing TV movies. <laughs> you know, it's, and it wasn't until, you know, after the break where he finally comes back. But um, it's 2001. That's the, that's the next, now. That's, yeah. that's the now. Okay. Yeah, and I'd that, say that's now. That's what I've got for that boy. Yeah, it was funny. Like, I clicked on the IMDb link for Doogie Howser. And I scroll down to people who like this also like fucking Full House, Family Matters, and Home Improvement. I rest uh-huh. my case. Oh, 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 Doogie Howser. I mean, Mike is Mike is right. I watched it because I just I was like, I want to be this kid. I watched it because TV. At that time, you had like four channels. What else are you gonna do? Hey, oh, Doogie Howser's on. Yeah. Hey, Joel. Yeah. Got wood? I do. All right. For my first uh, up, I've got Mr. Elijah Wood, born January 28, 1981. He's just a babe in the woods. He's five foot six feet tall, five foot six inches tall. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. (laughs) And uh, he's known for being very tiny and very uh, piercing blue eyes. Uh, He started out and I just kind of got some of his highlights here. And he's always been primarily a movie guy. Uh, you may remember him from Back to the Future 2. He was one of the the two kids in the arcade that was playing the game. Anybody? In the past. Really? I remember yeah. the scene. Okay. Um, he was in Radio Flyer, which uh, is a very it's, – it's kind of a sad movie. It's like about like childhood abuse, and it's it's kind of depressing. Um, uh, but, like all those other upbeat childhood abuse movies. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he uh, very early on was – The childhood abuse musical. Beaten with an exclamation point. Also known as Oliver Twist. Oh, I was just – No more wire hangers. <laughs> That's not about child abuse necessarily. But anyway, uh, very early on, he was picking good roles and, you know, he wasn't just doing the usual kid stuff. Uh, he then went to do Forever Young with uh, Mr. Mel Gibson. Um, the Adventures of Huck Finn is kind of where he started to make his own name to some extent. It was him and it was 1993. So would that have been JTT yet? Too early? No, that would have been. Is that right? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Bueller? Justin Tyler Thomas? Just, just the kid from Justin Full Taylor House. Thomas? Or not Full House. Uh, Home Improvement. Justin Taylor Thomas, I think. Is that what it is? Yeah, I, I think know. so. Um, and then he went on to do The Good Son, which if you have ever seen The Good Son, it is with Macaulay, a, Culkin? With Macaulay Culkin and <laughs> Macaulay Culkin is like trying to kill everyone. But they're kids. They're like little kids. And Elijah Wood's his. I don't know. I don't yes, know what he was. Brother. Yeah. And it's pretty dark. Again, picking dark stuff. Um, 
He went on to do North with Bruce Willis, which has been like universally panned by the critics as being terrible. Have any of you ever seen it? I yeah, have I not. Like it. I remember the roast though of Rob Reiner, and they just ripped him a new one for that movie. It's fun for what it is. I mean, it's not good, but you know, Bruce Willis in a bunny suit, so it's all right. Um, from there, he went on to do The War with Kevin Costner. Um, and then you kind of start to see a transition as he's starting to get older, which this is kind of the point where a lot of child stars who were cute as kids but kind of grow out of it or better. Eh, mole. Fred Savage is on the list of fa- uh, people who did good, though. He didn't ever really. But he did not age well. Eh, yeah, he's I mean, well, and the funny thing with Elijah Wood is, is that even though he still looks like he did when he was little, I mean, he's let's see, what is that? 81, 2014. What's that make him? 29. Is that right? Yeah. Um, he did I do my math wrong? I did. Anyway, I wasn't listening to the math. I was just waiting for a number. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's older than that because he's the, anyway. So he. um uh, he made a, a smart transition because in 1997, he did the ice storm, which I was hoping you were going to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was hoping you were going to say something about how when he, he kind of looks the same as he did when he was little, but it doesn't look as creepy as it does on him as it does. Like for instance, Haley Joel Osment, who, who well, does look the same as he did now, but it looks really, really creepy. Well, he looks like he him. ate Elijah Wood. That's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say you brought up Haley Joel Osment. He's uh, after he put on the weight. Uh, I mean, he looks like he'd be fun to hang around with, but he, he looks like Al Borland from Home Improvement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. W- but with like with, with like Haley Joel Osment's tiny face from the sixth sense stuck in the middle <laughs> of this big head. I see dead. Oh, cupcakes. Um. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's like, like his head is too big for his face. His face stayed the same size as his head got bigger. It's weird. See, what I think what fascinates me about Elijah Wood and kind of the reason why I chose him was that even though he stayed really small and he's very unassuming and he looks like a little kid still in a lot of ways um, and he can't grow a beard to save his life. He he just has made the right choices and he can kind of fall into that role. Kind of like not quite to the level of Leonardo DiCaprio, but that same kind of thing where even if he doesn't look the part, if he if he puts his mind to it, he can make you believe it. Um, and the ice storm kind of set the stage for that. Now, granted, when he did Deep Impact, I mean, you know, you got to pay the bills, right? Um, in 98. And then he did The Faculty in 98, which is starting a trend with him um, as we get into the now, you'll see that I like the uh, faculty. He 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 has always been a bit of a horror a horror fan. Um, and then the last one before we segue to the new era was Black and White, which again was kind of a a gritty urban movie that took him out of his comfort zone and kind of made him less of the child heartthrob that all the twelve year old girls were after, and kind of transitioned him a bit to being more of a teen guy that can actually hold his own. You know, anybody have any thoughts on Elijah Wood besides what I just kind of ran over? I mean, I always knew that he was a uh, child star, but I'm really more familiar with his stuff from the now. I didn't uh, know. Most- he, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Josh. I didn't know he existed until Frodo walked around. Yeah, same here. So I didn't I'm, I didn't really know him too well, so I don't have much to say about him either. Well, it's interesting. I mean, if you go back and look at it, I mean, early on, you can kind of see that he's, you know, he's he's learning the ropes. Yes, it's funny. But um, then as he goes on, you can see that he starts to kind of follow his own and I think you can see kind of what everybody else was seeing early on in him that uh, he's got some talent. So anyway, Josh. All right. Uh, My first draft pick uh, here was Will Wheaton. And uh, before we get into the role we know him best as, I'm going to talk a little bit about his early, early career. His very first uh, role as an actor was in a 1981 uh, made for TV movie called A Long Way Home. 
Uh, he was at the age of eight. He uh, starred alongside Timothy Hutton and Rosanna Arquette. Hmm. I think yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's like uh, he's looking for his uh, siblings after having been abandoned by his parents years ago. Um, and he's trying to find his missing brother and sister, yada, 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 yada. Uh, it was a mostly forgotten film, uh, made for TV film. His first cinematic role, though, was actually voice work. Uh, he was a minor character in the film uh, The Secret of Nim. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw this. Oh, yeah. When it was, I was a Don kid. Bluth, 1982. <clears throat> uh, what's interesting about this is although he played a really minor role, uh, The Secret of Nim is about a mother who's a field mouse and her like trying to protect her family. Well, she has four kids. Uh, Will Wheaton was not the only person to have their film debut, their wide cinema debut doing voice work as one of the kids. Uh, he played uh, Martin Brisby. Martin was the second oldest kid. The oldest kid in the family was Teresa, who was voiced by Shannon Doherty in her first role. Huh. Ah. So, yeah, that was a had to dig deep on that one. Oh, Joel, you haven't seen Secret of Nim? No, I did. I was I was a kid, though. Oh, I haven't seen it. See it, man. It, it's it's good. Don Bluth hmm. and read it, too. It's actually the book. We read the book with the kids and there gets a lot deeper than the movie ever does. This is America. I don't have to read. Yes, I know. <laughs> so Just Texas, we got no words down here. You can't you can't assault my freedom like that. So Will Wheaton's big breakout role, though, I love how Josh was just in ignores a... us. Now I'm just I'm just taking this train on past. <laughs> Uh, was in a Stand by Me, which was a Rob Reiner adaptation of Stephen King's short story, The Body. Yep. Um, I loved the book, loved the movie. Uh, you've got Will Wheaton as the lead, uh, playing Gordy Lachance, kid who basically, along with his three kind of misfit childhood friends, decide that they are going to take credit for discovering the body of a kid who got hit by a train. <clears throat> Yeah, and this uh, had a lot of fuck my fat one. <laughs> I mean, this had for for kid. If you want to talk kid stars, this is like the gold bucket. Will Wheaton, oh, sure. River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, and Kiefer Sutherland all in the top top build in this one. So this had a lot of good child actors in it. Yeah, apparently Kiefer Sutherland, uh, since he played the bully who has the big confrontation with the boys at the end, in order to like completely get in character, he spent the entire production picking on uh, Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell. That's what he tells us. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's his excuse for just being an asshole. Yep. <laughs> I was He's just a method character, asshole. man. <laughs> Stop getting in Kids. character. Stop getting in character. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this this was a huge movie. Like, and it kind of made the careers of everyone who was in it because uh, every last one of the kids said that Rob Reiner basically cast them as a character who was pretty much them. And like the movie got even stranger as years went on because the kids' lives ended up basically following the path of their characters. Uh, River Phoenix's character in the movie uh, is the one of the four to not make it to adulthood. He dies young. Ooh, no, it's creepy. Uh, yeah. uh, Corey Feldman's character is uh, basically half insane from abuse from his dad. And uh, we all know that Corey Feldman pretty much spent his entire life struggling with his mental issues and his own personal demons. And just like the fat kid in Stand By Me who went on to marry a really hot supermodel, so did Jerry O'Connell. 
Yeah, I mean, basically that that was the thing is like Jerry O'Connell's character, yeah, goes on to be like awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, Gordy Lachance uh, grows up to be a writer, which is uh, quite a bit of what Will Wheaton did when he made his transition to what I'm going to talk about in the second half. Can Rob Reiner do no wrong? Yes. Well, he, he could do. <laughs> he north. really cannot. I mean, he cannot. <laughs> Well, we just established that he could do north. Well, yeah. Okay, other than that. <laughs> and he's a giant douche. Now, speaking of giant douches, now now we have Star Trek The Next Generation. Wesley Crusher. And Wesley Crusher. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> Let me drive the ship. <laughs> he was like uh, he was like Meg Griffin before Meg Griffin was around. <laughs> Yeah, that was the thing is I don't think that they were consciously writing him to be annoying and precocious and like Shitty. the worst part of the show. But uh, <laughs> I know that uh, at the time I was part of that small but vocal contingent that just hated him. There wasn't a small contingent. There was a big contingent. But, I want to fly Deanna Troy. <laughs> I'm so smart. Can I go on the holodeck? <laughs> don't let me do anything. You can't go on the holodeck again. It took us three days to sanitize it the last time you did it. Looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> that just came out. On your face. Yes. What? No. Huh? Never mind. Okay, so anyway, I don't want to talk about So, this. yeah, he was supposed to be roughly an analog to Chekhov, but as sort of a helmsman, young, and they decided they were going to go with, like, the doctor's kid thing and... I don't know. They just had him in a guest role at first, and it became a recurring role, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of hardcore trickies. Yeah. And uh, he kind of, from there, drifted around. Uh, he was uh, in the action film Toy Soldiers in 1991. <laughs> um, after you mean the video was... for the Martika song? Yes, that's, that's step what I mean. Step by step. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Toy Soldiers was like him, Sean Astin, uh, Keith Coogan, Denholm Elliott was in it, Louis Gossett Jr. was in it. They were trying to make their generation's taps. I always kind of thought they were trying to do kind of what? Red wait, Dawn-ish wait, 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 wait. Now I'm confused. Is I thought that was the one with the action figures. No, that's Toy Soldiers, not Tin Soldiers. No, Toy so- what's the, what's the one where the action figures come to life? Toy Soldiers. That's Toy Story. No, no. action figure. <laughs> He's right. He's there's right. A, there's a movie where Green Arkman. No, Small called? Soldiers. Yes, Small that's soldiers. what I'm. Yeah, that's that, what I'm thinking. Yeah, about. Okay, that was it. Yes. Okay, that's what I said. <laughs> You're such a twat. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of uh, after this, he kind of started to become angry at the whole like career child star thing, and he kind of got away from Hollywood and moved to Topeka, Kansas, to work on toasters. As you do, yes. Yeah. The the video toaster four thousand. Oh, it's not actually a toaster, apparently. <laughs> uh, apparently, the video toaster is a, uh, a combination of hardware and software for uh, editing uh, standard definition video. <laughs> I just assumed, oh, he got mad and started working on toasters. Screw you guys. I'm going to go play do. toasters. <laughs> Up to the I'm high quality homage. of research that you're, you've come to expect from the show. Oh, yeah, he was working on toasters. <laughs> <laughs> we we may have lost oh, Pat for the rest of the show. That's genius. Okay, so and after that, basically, he uh, moved away from L.A. for a while, and then he came back and decided to go back to acting school and re-enter the acting world uh, sometime in the late 1990s. And uh, 
several of he basically came back doing indie films, uh, including uh, the award winning The Good Things, where he basically plays a toll booth worker in Kansas with a toaster. Yeah, who makes yes. toasters? Who makes toasters? <laughs> who and makes solves toasters. crimes <laughs> in New Orleans with yes, Whoopi with Goldberg and a giant purple dinosaur? <laughs> no. Well, yes, actually, you've seen it then. I've seen it. Oh man! All right. Call Hollywood, Patrick. I'm audibling out to you. <laughs> Oh, That's sporting. Oh well, my pick, my first pick was uh, the the fabulous Mr. Joseph Leonard Gordon Levitt. Uh, he was born on February seventeenth, nineteen eighty one, in L. A. Um, his parents actually they were uh, like cultural activists. Um, they formed the Progressive Jewish Alliance, which is like you know uh, almost kind of like a union for Jews in in Southern California, apparently. PJA. Yeah, the PJA. Yeah, they were called you know just called Pajama for short. But not not I may have made that part up. My dad. <laughs> We got tickets to the PJA tour. <laughs> I have never been more disappointed in my life. Uh, his grandfather actually uh, was, was a Hollywood director. His name was Robert Gordon. He directed Pillow Talk, you know, the Doris Day movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, who doesn't yeah. know that? Yeah. Um, and his career got derailed because he was named in the Red Scare, got blacklisted in Hollywood and all that stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Because he's actually, the, the, uh, he's uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They're, uh, he's 100% Russian Jew. So, so, like, they got, because because his grandfather, you know, came, or his great-grandfather came from Russia and because his parents were, like, social activists and shit that knew about of like echo terrorist type stuff you know wow. grandfather got banned from hollywood so yeah that happened so anyway so joseph joseph gordon levitt comes along uh at the age of four he joins a musical theater group and i don't know how but they, he somehow played the scarecrow in a production of the wizard of oz at four wow hmm. yeah um he was approached by an agent who saw his performance and began appearing on television and in commercials for sunny jim peanut butter cocoa puffs pop tarts and kinney shoes then at the age of six he started uh in a bunch of several bunch of several that was pretty nice <laughs> uh a bunch of made for television films television series sitcoms things like that all of them were obviously not that good because we don't know any of them i didn't recognize one name out of all of them then 11 years old this is impressive he makes his feature film debut in the robert redford film a river runs through it can you imagine making your debut as like a 30 year old with robert redford but he's doing it at 11 well if you've already done pop tarts and scarecrow <laughs> If you know the Scarecrow, then, then yeah. who's Robert Redford? Get him in here now. <laughs> he won a Young Artist Award for that role. Uh, and then uh, in 1986, or 1996, I'm sorry, at the age of 15, he becomes better known for starring on the hit television show Third Rock from the Sun, where Long he played Tommy. Too. Yep. And yeah. he earned, he and that show earned a ton of awards. For good reason, too. That show was yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and he was unusually good on it. Like, I remember his character shtick was that he was the oldest of the characters, like chronologically in his alien body. He was like an old man. And then he got put in the youngest body and he was having difficulty dealing with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a brilliantly written show and brilliant, brilliantly acted, too. And he was really good in it. Yeah, as you said. So that kind of got everybody's attention. And he started uh, and, and he got into a couple different shows like Angels in the Outfield, The Juror, Halloween H2O. Is that how you pronounce it, Joel? Or not pronounce it, but say it. What? Halloween H2O? Is that how you say it? 
it. Yeah. I didn't know if like it was H twenty or H two O. Well, it was for the it was the twentieth anniversary, but yeah, it was H two O. Okay, that's that's why I was saying it's like because I know it's the twentieth. Anyway, and he was also one of ten things I hate about you. Um, all while attending high school at Van Nuys High School, uh, graduated with honors in ninety nine, and uh, he took time off from acting after he graduated to go to Columbia University in New York, and that leaves us off on him because in two thousand four he left Columbia and started pursuing acting. And that's well, before we tra- uh, turned a lot. I would like to say 10 Things I Hate About You was another one of those movies that uh, was way better than it had any, like, expectation. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely I, – I put off seeing it for years, and finally one day I just – I caught it on cable. I just decided to watch it, and I was really – yeah, I was really surprised. Yeah, because, like, you hear what it's about and uh, the style of comedy they're going for and the target audience, and you don't expect very much. But, uh, yeah, very, very well done. Yeah. All right. So that leads up to me and my million. Miam? Miam? Why, did, okay, why the hell did I choose this one? I can <laughs> barely pronounce Frank Thomas, and I have <laughs> Miam Biak. <laughs> whatever the hell her name is. I'm feeling so much better about the toaster thing. Maya Bialik. Yeah. yeah, what he Bialik. said. So anyway, you know her as Blossom. Blossom Russo. Uh, no, Mr. Russo. Hey, Mr. Russo. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> In my opinion, nation, the sun is gonna surely shine. <laughs> I forgot about that yeah. shitty thing. So. It was uh, Leon Redbone. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. Well, she started out on the TV show Beauty and the Beast for one episode. Oh. Yeah, and then uh, as she a, played the Beast and was replaced yeah. by Ron Perlman. Yes, she she was the Beast before Ron Perlman showed up. Yeah, that's it, Joel. Uh, she was also a couple, you know, Beauty and the Beast, Facts of Life, and Patrick. She was in Pumpkinhead. Oh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know how you know she's got pumpkin seeds on her knees. Oh. <laughs> but uh, where she got a lot of cred from was actually in the movie Beaches, where she played a young um, Bette Beach. Midler. Bette Midler. Yes, she played a young <laughs> Beach. <laughs> she was just she played just a couple rocks. Some... I, I may not have actually seen Beaches. Yeah, she played it, Bette Midler, Barbara Hershey. Uh, she played a young I Bette Midler. I won't. I won't even deny it. I love that movie. In all honesty, Bette Midler is kind of hard not to like. Yeah, I love her. She's awesome. Yeah. So, but she uh, got in trouble uh-oh. in the '60s for when she had a concert and she taped a joint under every seat in the auditorium <laughs> really yeah See, did you ever know that you're my hero <laughs> <laughs> well after the uh beaches thing she did get more credit but unfortunately she did not get her own tv show the uh, blossom thing wouldn't roll around until when blossom tv movie there's a blossom tv movie this is this is some of that expert yeah i just had it 19 oh 1990 the tv because it, she it's for some reason not 100 percent chronologically she uh, also had other a little like bit parts in such classics as webster murphy brown something called malloy malloy i don't remember malloy i'll it get was... you malloy <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a private eye show. Yeah, it's in New Orleans, where he sells Malloy. So she she jumps around on a lot of TVs, all TV in the beginning, except for the beaches thing. Uh, did uh, one one on on Doogie Howser, MD. Also was on MacGyver for three episodes, and something called Don't Drink the Water, TV movie about diarrhea. No, whoa, TV movie star- starring Woody Allen, Dom DeLuise, Michael J. Fox, Edward Herman, and Julie Knaver. What about diarrhea? I no. <laughs> 
was actually an intervention for Dom DeLuise. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 really Stop weird. I've got eating the, the diarrhea. Somewhere oh, behind the early He's night. Breaking out the Woody Allen again. Cha cha cha. I'm I'm Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> I don't know what this this is a summary of the movie. Somewhere behind the early 1960s Cold War Iron Curtain, the Hollander family caused an international spying incident when Walter photographs a sunset in a sensitive region. Yeah, and we're into porn. Some, some Hollywood agent or agency bought that movie, huh? It's no, no, not oh, Hollywood. This was TV. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that well, no, still doesn't explain it. Starring Linoid Sider as a policeman. I can't even. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> so it wasn't until 1990 where she got the blossom. Delio, and that sucker ran for 114 episodes. Wow. I thought yeah, it only ran for six. Let's all be depressed. I was not a fan. No. I watched it. Wow. So, and then after that, you know, back into TV, the John LaRoquette show for the year it was on, something called The Adventures of Hyperman. And then, of course, she then winds up doing voice acting. Ah, uh, Real Monsters, Extreme Ghostbusters, Johnny Bravo, Hey Arnold, Recess. Uh, and then she's, you know, video game voiceovers is what she steps into the thousands. But, um... <clears throat> Well, I'll get into what she did lay what she did with her life in the second part. But again, these it seems like the another case of the hey, had a great show, didn't really do much of anything else. She got typecast or just Yeah, she showed. was also appeared in the uh, video for the uh, Michael Jackson video for the song Liberian Girl. Oh, I remember that song. I, I don't. actually don't. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Kidding. Liberian Girl? Liberian Girl. Yeah, he couldn't pronounce library, so. <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter if you're Liberian. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know that song. Okay, who wants to open this one? What just happened? It's McDonald's Gift Fest. We're gifting $90,000 a day for 21 days. <laughs> Mike, what is going on? on? I, not, I hit Liberian Girl. I thought I hit mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop Mike went to YouTube and started playing. A I hate McDonald's you, YouTube. <laughs> I this can't is... believe you get shocked by that every time. <laughs> This is this is Liberian girl. That's hard. There's a priest. Tay Tay in the wind? What? I, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to open the doors around here. <laughs> Me too. Okay. Okay, I have to stop this because as Please. of right, I, I don't even know how to describe this video because um, uh, Hemsley uh, from Good, Not Good Times, from uh, the, the Jeffersons is in it. Sherman Hemsley? Sherman Hemsley is in it, and the son from Bill, uh, from Cosby Show is in it right now, and I don't Malcolm know who Jamal else. Malcolm Jamal Warner? Yes, Malcolm Jamal, Jamal Warner, who I thought was talking on a brick, but it turned out to be a uh, cell phone. <laughs> and then <laughs> this apparently has something that you have to see. So anyway, I'm done. Thank you. Takes a bow. Traps Mike, exits left. Okay. Ow. Next up on my list, we have the very talented and I think underrated in some regards, Seth Green. And who undersized. Reality is, again, I went with the, yes, the undersized stars that still look a lot like they did when they were little. 
um, who in reality is he's never really gone away. He's been consistently working since he started his acting career and has never stopped. Uh, he was born on uh, February 8th, 1974 in Philadelphia. His full name is Seth Benjamin Green. He is five foot four, so he's shorter than Elijah Wood, although he looks a bit more manlier than Elijah Wood because he can grow a beard. Um, but he got a start in the, and Josh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you were there and watched this with me. YouTube, maybe, Pat. Hotel New Hampshire in 1984. You guys remember that movie? I do not. It was terrible. Um, he went quiet. on to do um, a whole lot of TV, which I, th- I just grabbed some of the stuff that he did from the up until uh, 2000. He was on Tales from the Dark Side, Mr. Belvedere, Spencer for Hire, Facts of Life, The Wonder Years, Batman the Animated Series, Beverly Hills 90210, The X-Files, Drew Carey Show, Angel, Buffy, of course, and Batman Beyond, and a ton of other stuff. I mean, he that's his bread and butter as television, and it always has been. Um, and he's made a lot of pretty good choices as far as what he's done uh the the first thing or one of the earlier things i remember seeing him in was can't buy me love from 1987 do you guys remember that fine film with, with the lawnmower I, I really enjoyed that movie it's fun with uh yeah. dr mcdreamy yeah dr mcdreamy what, what are they call him i can't think of his name i can't think of it either right now patrick something patrick, patrick, patrick dempsey, dempsey. Yeah. yeah with the anteater dance and everything yep. Yep. the yeah. african anteater dance a very young uh seth green now, that line cracked me up by the way when when he taught him all that dance and then at the at the prom they're all doing it and all the nerds are like it's the african anteater dance that would be funny yeah um <laughs> <laughs> then he went on to do Thank Pump Up the Volume. You're welcome. With uh, with Christian Slater and the lovely Samantha Mathis, who is another underrated actress. Uh, this one I put in here just because I'm wondering if any of you guys know it even exists. It's called Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch Make My Video. It's a video game yeah. from 1992. It was for the Sega CD, and it also came out with uh, an in-excess version of Make My Video. Interesting. Well, Seth Green was in the Marky wow. Mark one. Um, of course, he was not only in Buffy the Vampire Slayer of the TV show as Oz, he also was in an uncredited part that never made the uh, cut of the original movie from 1992 with uh, Sarah, uh, no, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, what is her name? Anybody? Uh, Anne Margaret. Christy Judy Swanson. Thomas. And Luke. No, Perry. Luke Perry. The other guy. Jason Priestley. Sean Luke. Picard. And a very funny, the only funny bit in that whole movie with uh, Paul Rubens dying as a vampire. True. Um, he then transitioned to the Austin Powers franchise, which two of them were in the then uh, 1997's Austin Powers uh, International Man of Mystery. And in 1999, Austin Powers, A Spy Who Shagged Me as Scott Evil, Dr. Evil's son. Great movies. That, yeah. And, and his turn in the second movie, when, when when he starts turning evil himself and he's losing his hair and everything, hysterical. Just Absolutely. So funny. Yeah. He, he doesn't let the fact that he still looks like a kid or that he's young or undersized, again, kind of get in his way of doing whatever. He'll kind of take what he wants, but he's, he gets offered a lot of good stuff. Um, he was in the movie Can't Hardly Wait in 98, which I think... I think it's a really good movie overall. It's fun and uh, it, it's 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 kind of an anthology sort of, kind of like a trick or treat, but for romantic teen comedies where there's a bunch of stories going on that all kind of intersect sort of. Which movie? Can't hardly wait with uh, yeah Ethan yeah, Embry like, and yeah where he's wearing the goggles yeah yeah Jennifer Love huge tits yeah <clears throat> yeah and that he ends up with the the yeah the cute girl with the short dark hair yeah. from Six Feet Under yes Lauren. Bacall. Cohen. No. Lauren. <laughs> What's her name? Not Lauren Bacall. Lauren Lauren Conrad. Hill. Lauren Hill. May, <laughs> summer, May December romance. Um, <laughs> then they went to New Orleans to solve crime. See, if um, they just asked us to cast these movies, these would be so much better. Stan Lauren. <laughs> and last but not <laughs> least, Stan he, Damn it, I screwed Stan it up. <laughs> he uh, was in Idle Hands, which was, it was a fun little horror type movie um, with. Uh, 
I can't think of the guy's name now. Frank Thomas. No. Miami Alec. No. Yes. Anyway, um, interesting <laughs> little bit of trivia. At 13 years old, he played Allison Hannigan's boyfriend and uh, Fred in My Mother is a Step Step Alien. My stepmother is an alien. Who's Ten years step later, alien is a stepmother. <laughs> Ten years later, he uh, played her boyfriend again when he landed the role of Oz on the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 1997. Step alien is a mother. Um, he actually caught the acting bug. Mother step on uh, my alien. After hearing the sound of music on a cruise ship. Hmm, nice. So, anyway, all right. Now we got DiCaprio. DiCaprio for Patrick. Born. <laughs> On November 11th, 1974, in Los Angeles, he is the only child of... Oh, now I know what you go through, Mike. Uh, Ermelin Endenbergen. <laughs> so much better on this side. <laughs> now you know how I laugh all the time. Ermelin Endenbergen and former comic book artist George Paul DiCaprio. Were you guys aware of that? I was not. Yeah. Leo's father had achieved minor status as an artist and distributor of cult comic book titles and was even depicted in several issues of American Splendor, the cult semi-autobiographical comic book series by the late Harvey Picar, who was a friend of George's. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Um, his skills as an actor and performance, you know, came, became obvious to his parents. And so they, they signed him up with a talent agent themselves and they gave him the stage name Lenny Williams. <laughs> so all his early credits are under Lenny Williams, like as a kid actor. And wow. Yeah. That's right. So <laughs> under the name Lenny Williams, he began appearing on, began appearing on a number of television commercials and Titanic starring Kate Winslet and Lenny Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> no. So yeah, because because he's who he is, he began you know attracting more and more attention, and they put him in a bunch of like different television shows like Roseanne and The New Lassie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know that he was on that show. I remember that show. I love oh, he played what? a dog. He's got some range. <laughs> I don't remember him on Roseanne though. Does anybody remember him on Roseanne? I actually do. What was he? I think he was a snack. One of Darlene's boyfriends, like before Johnny and Galecki. Like maybe one of her, he played a teammate of hers on baseball, the baseball team or something. Was that, that maybe? Yeah, I I, th- I think I more remember him from seeing screenshots of him in his Roseanne days, like on websites, like talking about him. Anyway, moving on. Uh, in ninety in ninety one, uh, he made his film his feature film debut in Critters Three. Yes, <laughs> classic. I love that. Movie. Which led to him being caught by his eye, you know, the eye being caught at someone, and led to him being cast in Growing Pains as a homeless young boy that shows uh, uncle, or cousin Oliver. <laughs> He comes in and he moves in with the Seavers as like new blood to try and spice up the show. Didn't help. It was still canceled a year later. Aww. But yeah, didn't. I mean, that didn't matter. It, that, that already got him enough attention. And he was able to, you know, kind of springboard that into auditioning for better roles, such as the mentally challenged kid in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Where's Arnie? I love you, Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> um, the young gunslinger in The Quick and the Dead. Yo, oh, Sharon Stone, where's Arnie? <laughs> <laughs> awful, awful. That is, this is probably the biggest discrepancy between like strength of cast and just horribleness of movie. This is an amazing cast, so much so that Russell Crowe is like eighth build, and the movie is just such a pile of dog shit. Poop. Sean <laughs> Penn wasn't in it anyway. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you guys seen this movie? No. I no. I don't think I have actually. Oh my god. Okay. It's um oh god, it's Gene Hackman, Sharon Stone, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio, um 
I mean, and and just God, just so many more people that I can't even think of off the top of my head right and now. It's directed by Sam Raimi, which again is it, and it's just awful. It, it's yeah. it's all about this this gunslinging competition, and just it's just bad. I remember the trailers for it and thinking it looked bad. Yeah, I mean, so much so like there's one scene where a, a guy gets shot, and they show his shadow, and in the shadow you can see a hole like a like a paper like like he's a paper cutout man with a hole in him. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Pat, I turned up something. Both of your picks are united uh, by one common thing. They were both on Roseanne. Yes. I realized that when I was typing him up, I was like, oh, yeah, because I, I knew that about um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt because he played he played DJ's friend. Well, not really friend, but, you know, a, a kid from his that lived next door or something that came over one day and started showing them his penny collection. It was, oh, it's just. Right. Really, yeah. Remember that scene? Yeah. Brilliant. No. Ah. He plays an annoying little kid. Joseph Gordon-Levitt does. And it's just hysterical. I'm using the word hysterical too much. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it appears that uh, Leo was actually I, I was right. He had a connection to Darlene. He was just a random class classmate in her home ec class he was like the one guy in the home ec class ah uh, uh, okay cool yep. all Gosh. right um let's see uh then he was in uh the basketball diaries very he was very good in that playing a drug addict basketball player who ends up <laughs> shooting up his school i love you mark Wahlberg. <laughs> sorry your, your pause there was like he was a drug addict basketball it's it's actually it's actually based on the book uh autobiographical book by jim carroll who is yep. a uh, one of my favorite more modern authors or and like uh Jim Carroll Band. Jim Carroll Band is fun. Uh but it, it, that's actually a really good movie even though I I messed it up. It was it was a Mark or Donnie that was in that movie. Donnie. Well, I, I think it was Donnie. I love you Donnie. Sorry, I said Mark originally <laughs> so I had to correct that. Anyway, uh the, the the guy he beat out for that role by the way, you guys know? It was down to the two of them and he beat out I do. Phoenix. Oh, well. Yeah. Now you spoiled it. Well, yeah, I I knew you weren't going to get it so I, I knew you didn't go. give me a chance. Oh. I'm sorry. Keep not going. really. Then he became a heartthrob after playing Romeo in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. I love you, Juliet. Wait, Ani. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Sorry. What do you What do you think of that movie? Anybody? Romeo. I and actually Juliet? really like it. I haven't so, seen it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Good, good I, soundtrack. I did care for it, but shocker, you know. Anyway, and then the following year, after after Romeo and Juliet, he becomes he becomes. He becomes. <laughs> I can't read. I, I I need new glasses. I, that's all there is to it. Following year, he is catapulted into stardom after starring in the James Cameron epic Titanic with Kate Winslet, which went on to beat all box office records held before, becoming the highest grossing movie of all time. Became a cultural phenomenon. Yes. Haven't seen it. Shut up. Have to. I have not. Really? I have, have not ne- seen Titanic. I have not seen Titanic. I have never seen Titanic. Jesus. Boat sinks. Aw, spoilers. That's why I knew it. I'm like, I don't have to watch this. I know how it ends. It really is. I mean, the first time I saw it, I just kind of, I was like, I'm going to see it ironically. And I I liked it, you know, but the more I see it, I mean, it's a really damn good movie. I mean, despite some of the scenery chewing, despite some of the overacting, despite some of the theatricality, it it really is just a, it's a good movie. Just fast forward to where the boat starts sinking, Mike. Yeah, and then you're really going to be amazed after, yeah. I'm not saying I don't have it. Somebody gave it to me on VHS. Well, that's the way to watch it. Yeah. It's still <laughs> wrapped. Watch it. 
So, but yeah, I mean, I I really do enjoy that movie. Not to mention, you know, one of my favorite bands is in it. Gaelic Storm plays the Irish band that plays in the uh, steering department. Huh. But anyway, yeah. All right. So then uh, he decides to keep a low profile for a number of years uh, because the celebrity from that kind of just blows his life up. Uh, he takes a couple small roles, like in The Man in the Iron Mask and the low budget The Beach. But near um, the beach, he doesn't really do anything until about 2002. So that, that's where we end on him for now. All right. So I guess we're moving on to my second pick, who was uh, Miss Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman uh, was actually born in Jerusalem as Netta Lee Herschlag. Uh, she's got yeah, dual. I'm sorry, say that again. Can't see why she changed her name. <laughs> Netta, like N E T A dash Lee Herschlag. Wow. Yeah, she's uh, got dual suit, uh, citizenship, uh, American and Israeli. Yep. Huh. And uh, when she was very, very young, uh, she was approached by uh, a Revlon agent trying to get her to become a child model. She uh, was when she was 10. Uh, but uh, her family decided that that was not going to be her path to stardom. The, they were going to focus her on doing acting, whether that meant stage, whether that meant screen, whatever. Uh, from the very beginning, she was like super serious, uh, ambitious and like wanted to perform in front of people, wanted to be famous. Uh, she did theater camps uh, at 10 years old. She uh, auditioned for uh, a off-Broadway show called Ruthless about a kid who is willing to commit murder to get the lead in the school play. And she actually became the lead's understudy along with Britney Spears. So uh, her first real breakout role, though, where she was not an understudy, uh, would have been the Luc Besson film Leon the Professional. Oh, yeah, she was twelve. Oh yeah, and oh, uh, sorry, Amy, what? It was such a good movie. Like yeah, as a kid a- hitman, uh, they ended up cutting the movie to bits because there was a, an awful lot of uncomfortable tension uh, with American audiences with any hint of any sort of romantic connection between the character who is clearly prepubescent and then uh, Jean Renault's character of the, the hitman. Which the um, uh, director's cut is available. They put a lot of that back in. but Yeah, that's actually the version I have on DVD is yeah. uh, the what they used to call the European cut and is now right. called like uh, the complete cut. Um, she actually was turned down for the role uh, initially. Uh, she was uh, the casting director took one look at her and said, uh, you're way too young to play this. Your name is terrible. <laughs> and uh, she came back and auditioned for uh, the director, actually. And uh, when Besson saw her perform, he's like, this, this is the one. This is this is going to be our star. I thought you meant she came back and tried to audition to be the director. Yes, that yes. happens a lot, actually. <laughs> Turned down for the for the role. We're going we're gonna to try for director. You're no good <laughs> for the lead. Would you like to direct this? So uh, after the success of her breakout role in The Professionals, she had a bunch of roles in 1990s. Uh, she played uh, the suicidal stepdaughter in Heat uh, of Al Pacino. I don't know if you guys remember that film yeah. or remember in, that character. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in a in a plot line that really just could have honestly been left on the cutting floor. It, uh, I, I mean, suppose that's fair. In in a movie that was way too long, it it was trying to add humanity to a character that just 
didn't really need it, honestly. So sure. Anyway, sorry. No, it's totally fine. Uh, and she was also in Everyone Says I Love You. I don't know if you guys recall this one. Yeah, I didn't I see it, but I, re- I remember it. It's a Woody Allen musical with Julia Roberts, Alan Alda, Edward Norton, Drew Barrymore, Gabby Hoffman, Tim Roth. Like a really good cast. You lost me at Woody Allen musical. <laughs> oh, I want to hear. I want to hear Joel's impression of a Woody Allen musical. I don't. You, you could <laughs> go to hell, Pat. <laughs> Uh, she was also in Mars Attacks, uh, right in this era. Oh, yeah. That that film had like everybody in it. Yeah, yeah. everybody was. That, yeah, that was an ensemble. Tom yeah. Jones. Yeah, that was like the cast of Liberian Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but and she also had a major role in uh, the movie Beautiful Girls. Uh, this is another one where she plays a character who has a romantic interest in someone uh, much much older. And uh, she is, I believe. Absolutely. I like that she's open to that. Um, She plays a (laughs) 13-year-old who uh, has a romantic interest in Timothy Hutton, and uh, she wants him to wait for her so that uh, they can be together once she's legal. Definitely. No no way that ends badly. No way at all. Well, and I think that's the thing is he's got uh, all of these girls when he comes home uh, and they all have different things like that are kind of wrong with them. And remember, this is before Timothy Hutton's career kind of went left to the pooper. No, it's not now. Yeah, it's not now. Yeah. It is? Yeah. Uh, uh, He's been the, doing leverage for yeah, quite a leverage. few years now. Oh, I'm thinking of Timothy Dalton. <laughs> no, he never recovered. <laughs> no, I sure that's who I'm thinking how of. Do, like, how hey. are we having any conversations? <laughs> he, he was in uh, No one's Shaun talking the Dead, about though. the same goddamn thing. <laughs> I hear he's currently working on toasters. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a break. <laughs> while not si- while solving crimes in New Orleans in the evening. Uh. Almost there. We were talking about William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann joint. Uh, actually, Natalie Portman was the first choice to play Juliet, uh, but the producers felt once again her age wasn't suitable. She was always kind of like punching up with regards to playing characters that were either her age but much older or wiser, uh, or she, just in general playing characters. Yeah, because I mean, she she herself is just a brilliant person. I mean, she's. She graduated from Harvard. Harvard and shit. I mean, she's very, very brilliant. Yeah, and when she, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you go to Harvard, you're you're going to throw your career away." And she's like, "I don't care. I'd rather be smart than famous." Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. And way. We close out the '90s uh, with her being cast as uh, Padme Amidala in the uh, Star Wars prequels. Wasn't that smart? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't yeah, know how to were, feel about it because I like her were, so much. Yeah, there were a lot of things wrong with those movies, but she was not one of them. Hmm. No, I think even George Lucas managed to suck out some of her acting ability. Because, I mean, if, if you watch it, just kind of some of the scenes, just, oh, I don't know. Like when she rolls out of the the um, out yeah. of the ship onto the sand dunes and stands up, you know, she, she's, oh, I'm okay. And they just walk off. You know, it's like, I mean, it, it was just, I'm babbling, so I'll shut up. Yeah. I love you, Patrick. Great <laughs> army. <laughs> I think we need to take a break, guys. Yes, Thank you, Joel. <laughs> and break. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. In my opinion, nation, the sun is gonna surely shine. Stop all your fussing. Slap on a smile Come out and walk in the sun for a while Don't fight the feeling You 
know you wanna have a good time And in my opinion, nation The sun is gonna surely shine Hello everybody, we are back from our break And ready to talk about more winners uh, We got Joel up with Seth Green And chicken dinners Um... Seth Green, like I said, he's never he's one of those guys that never really quit working. He's been consistently on TV or movies pretty much his entire life. Um, and I, I think it's pretty amazing because you think of successful child stars that tra- made the transition. Uh, we've picked some good ones here that are kind of non-standard. You know, like Kurt Russell you get. You know, he went from this handsome man or young boy to this, you know, good-looking man to, you know, he's, you know, getting up there in age and still looks damn good. Um, but most of ours, we pick kind of the odd ones, which is neat. And Seth Green being right up there. But in 2002, he came back in Austin Powers yet again to do Goldmember, which gets a lot of flack, but I think is is a decent installment in the series. Um, plus Scott Evil. So. Um, then he did something a little outside of the norm. He did uh, a turn in the movie Party Monster in 2002. Did any of you see that? Nope. nope. If you ever want to see Seth Green, not Seth Green, Rent Party Monster. Uh, 2003, we already talked about this movie on a previous show, The Italian Job. Mm-hmm. Oh, which yeah. is a fun little romp in Italy. Well, See that anyway. episode for our opinions? Yes, look up Italian Job, episode something something. Uh, in 2004, <laughs> he came back, or he, he came back, he joined the Scooby-Doo f- franchise and Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed, which is terrible. Uh it's work, so I mean, I guess I can't like knock him, but don't see it. It's it's terrible. Um, he continued to do television throughout the entire um, transition from the 2000 to today. Uh, he's done that 70s show. He was uh, on Greg the Bunny, which lasted for I think a season, maybe two. That was funny. That was a really funny show. I've heard that, and I've never seen it, but uh, uh, he's been on Mad TV, Will and Grace, of course, Family Guy. Everybody knows him on Family Guy. Um, which he claims that his uh, voice for Chris uh, was based on Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Uh, <laughs> I never knew that. Um, he was on Crank Yankers, of course, uh, Grey's Anatomy, that Reno 911, Entourage, Heroes, uh, American Dad, Star Wars The Clone Wars, Phineas and Ferb, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's recently taken over for the uh, former actor Jason Biggs, who was playing Leonardo. Now Seth Green is playing Leonardo, much to Juliana's dismay. Um, and then, of course, one of his biggest claims to fame, Robot Chicken, which uh, if you've never seen it on uh, Adult, Adult Swim, Swim. Yeah. it's uh, he he's uh, admittedly a giant nerd and he loves action figures. He loves toys. And he just turned it into uh, like a what would you call it? A stop motion. I mean, the type of sketch sketch, comedy. Like sketch comedy, yeah, exactly. But with stop motion action figures and... And And, and just lampooning uh, our childhood icons in in ways that are are applied to only them. You know, like making fun of Skeletor. Who just deflated? (laughs) Josh just deflated. (laughs) Josh has been on autopilot for 40 years and he just finally deflated. (laughs) That's what I think of Robot Chicken. I mean, realistically, if you were to watch like a Saturday Night Live or Mad TV or something, you'd see them lampoon the same stuff. But with this, you've got the figures that some of them, you know, are his own design. Some are the some are more original or traditional but, or whatever. Uh, the, the Emperor on the phone with Darth Vader after the after the Death Star blows up is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. 
Yeah. Seth Green has a lot of talent. And I think that's what has allowed him to kind of overcome any stereotypical stuff that's happened and allowed him to keep working. Um, because between, you know, Family Guy and, and uh, Robot Chicken, I don't think he really ever has to work again if he doesn't want to, just from residuals probably. But um, I think on Robot Chicken, the fact that they're using the action figures allows them a little bit of latitude and they go so much further with it than you expect the comedy to go. Mm-hmm. Like it's so much more explicit, so much more vulgar. I love it. And the and the guest stars that they get to come in and do the voices pretty impressive. Some of the people they get. Yeah, exactly. If you go look at the the IMDb page for that, you there's so many celebrities, and it's and it's kind of because he's been around so long, he knows everybody. Yeah, yeah, he's worked um, with almost I like, everybody. I like the one where Lex Luthor, Skeletor, Mumra, and um, oh god, yeah, Cobra Commander are stuck in traffic. <laughs> ah, come on! Don't look at them! Don't look at them! <laughs> This is kind of why I picked Seth Green, because I think for all of us, and we've seen him grow up on TV and movies, and um, I, I, he didn't seem like the, the really the first choice, but to me, I just, I'm a fan, and oh, yeah. uh, the only other movie I wanted to mention was Be Cool in 2005, which is the, the follow-up to Get Shorty, which, if you've never seen this film, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has quite possibly the greatest character ever put to film and I'm, I'm not being serious i mean yeah, i love yep. it to death it's so the, the, the what over over the top flaming homosexual hitman oh my god it's so funny he's so good in that movie and that i that the whole movie overall is just kind of eh but because of the rock it's it's phenomenal um and the I've oh one seen, last thing a I've little bit of trivia movie, yeah but i've heard oh about my it. god yeah, you I'm, need to watch it <laughs> Uh, Elmore Leonard novel turned into a film, but uh, he was the runner-up for the for Eternal Sunshine of the Spot Spotless Mind. He was supposed to play the role that eventually went to Elijah Wood. Oh, Jay, oh, that's right, Elijah Wood. Yep, I thought that was a neat. Oh, time. I thought you were talking about the the lead. He, he was in the role. For, I got you. No, he was going to play the role that Elijah Wood played originally. Anyway, hmm. next. All right, uh, we're going to go back to Natalie Portman for a little bit. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is. Uh, after we get to episode one, you've got a couple of roles. One is pretty much her transitional role. It was a role that she initially turned down. It was a film called Anywhere But Here. And originally, uh, she looked at the script and saw that there was an explicit love scene and she turned the role down. But both Susan Sarandon, who uh, was already attached to the film, and the director, Wayne Wang, uh, wanted her so much for the uh, part that she, they were like, we'll rewrite the script. We'll cut that scene. It's not that important. And uh, she ended up taking the role and got a Golden Globe uh, for Best Supporting Actress and uh, started to transition away from Child Star, who plays roles that almost seem like they should be adults, into legit adult star. And then before we get to uh, the second Star Wars prequel, we've got uh, pretty much the only Natalie Portman film I actually hate, uh, and that's uh, 2000's Where the Heart Is. Oh, is that I'm sorry. I was going to say, is that the one with Richard Gere? But that's not. That's November Rain. No, this is the one with Ashley Judd, where she uh, gives baby uh, gives birth to a baby in a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> 
What? Uh, oh my God! This this movie is it is almost a parody of the worst sort of like made for TV. It's even got Sally Field in it. Like <laughs> she's like a price checker at Walmart. No, she's I, I think she's like uh, let's see. It's got Stockard Channing. Was, was it trying to be like the good girl or something and just fell flat? No, I, I remember that one of the reasons I have a particular hatred for this uh, film is because uh, my brother's wife, my sister-in-law, loved it and played it over and over and over again. And I found it insipid, insulting, just the, the dumbest sort of like tearjerker heartstring puller. I just realized and- that I was making comments into a muted mic. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why aren't they saying anything about what I'm saying? Mm, mm. <laughs> is it is it, it's like a movie of the week though, really. I mean, it was what it really Josh is was kind of getting at. And that was the thing is like uh, they always joke when you go to like the prototypical movie of the week is like not without my daughter with Sally Field and I when I actually saw her on screen, I'm like, really? Well, the, I the, don't I don't know yeah. if you, oh, well, you didn't hear me, but it was, it's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a uh, kid named Julian Templesman who was born in a Costco, but yeah, not good. Um, after completing the second of the star Wars prequels, uh, less said about them, the better. Uh, she did a uh, cameo alongside a million other people in Zoolander in 2001. Um, she actually did what I would call, some people would call it another movie of the week, but I actually thought it was very good, a film called Cold Mountain in uh, 2001 with uh, Jude Law, Nicole Kidman, and actually Jack White. Huh. I still haven't seen it. I've seen it. It's it's actually pretty good. <clears throat> yeah, this was one that I assumed that I would not like. Uh, it's also got Renee Zellweger in it. And I uh, know it was actually pretty good. Well, Jack White surprised me. I, I really didn't want to, because at that point I was kind of in, wasn't sure how I felt about him. And I didn't want to like him, but he fit the role, even though he wasn't the best actor. But it was, it was, it was interesting. Okay, then we get to 2004, where we've got the Zach Braff uh, written and directed film Garden State, oh. which uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is I know Joel's going to be checking out early on us tonight, but I want to make sure he had an opportunity to uh, comment on Garden State because I know he loves it quite a bit. And I, I do too. It's got, uh, in addition to uh, Natalie Portman, it's got Zach Braff, Ian Holm, uh, Peter Sarsgaard, and Method Man in it. I don't I remember enjoying it. I don't remember much about it, though. Well, this kind of came out around the time I was still, you know, the whole film thing was still really fresh to me and, and wanted to be a part of that. And it it's kind of like it's not like his Citizen Kane necessarily, but because he wrote and directed it and it just came from a very personal voice, like a something about it just spoke to me. Not that, uh, you know, I was in the situations that he was in or ever would be, but it just, it's a really well done kind of slice of life movie. And it's, it's funny, it's touching. And uh, I, I really, I do. Josh is right. I love it. Unabashed. Yeah. I mean, it is probably the best example of what people would kind of mock as the awkward guy, quirky girl comedy, which we've seen a lot of worse examples of that over the years with like uh, Michael Sarah uh, vehicles and Zooey Deschanel. Uh, this is like that, but a little smarter, I'd say. Cool. I so. would agree. A great soundtrack. It's just a really well done movie. I mean, if you want to sit down and watch something that doesn't necessarily have any huge significance, like it's not going to be Titanic, it's not going to be, you know, uh, some movie about the struggles in Africa or whatever. It's just a great movie to watch on like a rainy Saturday afternoon. Uh, and it was Zach Braff's feature directing and writing debut. So, yep. hmm. so after Garden State. 
Uh, she also did uh, uh, Closer uh, in 2004. It's a this is one that I didn't see, uh, and it's got a lot of people in it I like, though. Like Jude Law, Julia Roberts, Clive Owen. I like Clive Owen. I haven't seen I, it. I saw this movie, actually, but I don't remember much about it. I know I've seen it. Yeah, it's one of those kind of like uh, characters that have their own problems and are constantly running into each other, sort of romantic, tragic comedy sort of things. A tragedy? I guess Natalie Portman plays a stripper in this movie. I remember that, obviously. <laughs> oh, I remember when that came out. I, yeah, I, I didn't see it, but I remember that being kind of a thing. Huh. Yeah. So uh, we move on from that to uh, eventually she gets to Revenge of the Sith, uh, which uh, despite the fact that uh, I think it's pretty bad, uh, it was a favorite motion picture for the People's Choice Awards, and it was the highest-grossing domestic film of 2005. Uh, around the same time, she did Free Zone and uh, Goyo's Ghosts, um, just really kind of small movies. But uh, she kind of came back with a vengeance the year after. Uh, I remember the day that she did the Lonely Island gangster rap video with Andy Samberg. Uh, and definitely took her in a different direction of very, uh, I don't know. Has anyone else seen it? I probably have. I just basically, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I have. Which one again? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Natalie Portman, uh, rapping alongside, uh, Andy Samberg talking about how she cheated at Harvard, did oh. drugs, had sex with everybody. I was just getting the link to it. Cause I was going to make sure you guys included it. Cause it's one of my favorite things ever. I know it back. I can rap the whole thing. Natalie Portman rapping about just completely the opposite of what anybody would expect. She talks about how when she was in Harvard, she got high every day. Um, she talks about just fucking dudes just because. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> she beats the hell out of the interviewer, starts destroying the equipment. It's so good. And I just I grabbed the link here. If you if you, you guys have never seen it, Pat or Mike. No, I may have. But I'm I don't sure I've seen it because I've watched a lot of Lonely Island stuff. <clears throat> Oh yeah, my it's gosh. one of their real early, like even before on a boat. I have it on my iPod and I listen I to it, it incessantly. Uh, then the did you, did year... you skip over V for Vendetta? No, that's uh, that happened actually immediately after. I thought that was in 05. Nope, I opened early 2006. Oh, okay, all right, my bad. Yeah, this is actually one of the more faithful adaptations of an Alan Moore uh, sort of project. Right. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not exactly the... Uh, uh, the way the graphic novel was, but I think that it pretty much gets the point across. It's uh, produced by Joel Silver and the Wachowski brothers. At this point, they were still Larry and Andy. Um, uh, he was un Alan Moore was still not satisfied with it. Uh, he uh, declined to view the film and asked not to be credited after uh, From Hell and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen pretty much treated his work very, very poorly. Oh, I would agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, so... That treated a lot of things poorly. If you haven't seen it, Hugo Weaving stars as V, an anarchist freedom fighter who attempts to bring down the brutal sort of fascist 1982 Orwellian United Kingdom regime. And uh, Natalie Portman plays Evie, uh, who is sort of his protege, although his means of indoctrinating her is actually pretty brutal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she actually did shave her head for the role. Yes. And you never see Hugo Weaving's face. 
you know what? You're absolutely right. Yeah, I didn't. It's I, always the Guy yeah. Fox Max mask. Max? Max? Max. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's interesting. So, pretty good. I don't, I don't know like how it. you guys. What's up? I don't like it. I, yeah, I do not like V for Vendetta at all. Well, what was your issue with it? It was terrible. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's pretty Other cut and dried. I, I walked into it excited to watch it and knowing it was Alan Moore, knowing who was in it, I was very excited to see it. And I just, I don't know whether my expectations were too high or whether it really just was a big ball of turds, but I just did not like it. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of nothing this movie, honestly. I just, I didn't like it or hate it. It just was like, eh. yeah, it was pretty heavy handed by the end. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. I had low. I think I had the opposite of your expectations, Joel. So having seen previous adaptations of Alan Moore's work and holding it in pretty high esteem, so I didn't expect much out of this. And uh, seeing that they didn't shit all over it, I don't know. It's not Swamp Thing. What is? Yeah, pr- prob- about- probably my uh, my least favorite of Alan Moore's work. But although the Swamp Thing, the movie came out before Alan Moore took over. But anyway. So after that, uh, we've got a couple more small movies, Hotel Chevalier, um, Brothers. Uh, She made a directorial debut in 2008 with a short film named Eve. Uh, And then we come to 2010 where uh, we've got Black Swan, which is pretty much – her her citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh, she prepared for the role as a ballerina. Uh, she had uh, dance training. Despite the fact that she grew up taking dance, uh, she went through five to eight hours of ballet training daily for six months and lost 20 pounds. Wow. Uh, in 2011, she won both the Academy Award for Best Actress and the Golden Globe. Which I predicted when I saw The Professional that she was going to win an Oscar before she died. And she did. So Just yeah, like, it's a man. it's a great movie. It really is. It's really well it, done. It's so she and, it's she and fright- are both great in it. It's frightening, man. It legitimately bothered me. I and actually haven't seen it. Vincent Cassell, don't forget Vincent Cassell. I, I it's on my list to see, but I still haven't gotten to see Black Swan. You should watch it. It's really, really good. I think well you would done. enjoy it. Yeah, it's not I what can- you think. No, I, I, I've been told I'd like it. Uh, my wife saw it, and I just – it's one of those. Hi, Sarah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, I was uh, – oh, you got to see this. It was so good. I saw – I've been told that so many times. I was like, yeah, okay. That and Gravity were two, two of those films. Where oh. I was just like, like I yeah, I probably will like it, but you're bugging me so much to see it that I don't want to. Hey, Josh, you should watch Black Swan. Yeah, meh. <laughs> oh, so, hey, have you seen Black Swan? Yes, yes, I've seen I, Black Swan. I own Gravity. I'm just bragging at this point. Well, I, I use Gravity every day. Google gave it away for free, so that's not saying much. Oh. All right, so in 2011, we've got No Strings Attached alongside Ashton Kutcher. We've got Your Highness with uh, James Franco and Danny McBride. Oh, by the and, way, I'm, I'm, uh, Your Highness is the title of one of my well, – the answer – not really the answer, but one of my favorite stories, period. Uh, James Franco and Seth Rogen and a couple guys were all sitting around getting high, and they were playing this game where somebody would just say a phrase and somebody else had to describe the movie that would be titled that, and somebody threw out just Your Highness – Somebody's like, uh, a really high guy protects a princess. <laughs> and yeah, and they made a whole movie out of that. Nice. Yeah. And then uh, when we get to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she, of course, was in Thor and uh, the sequel. Yay. What was the sequel? Thor. Thor the Dark two. World. Yes. Thor 2. <laughs> so her and Kat the Dark moved to New Orleans and they solve crimes. <laughs> and work on toasters. <laughs> 
Uh, she was going to play the lead in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but she uh, ended up dropping uh, from that project, uh, although she will continue to produce. She just won't was, be acting in it. I was going to say, she's the one who bought the rights to produce the film, I yeah. thought. Yeah, she was going to uh, also play the lead, but she dropped out as the uh, lead actress. Which excited the crap out of me because I'm a huge fan, but oh well. So yeah, that's uh, that's Natalie Portman's career. She's also been an outspoken advocate uh for various causes, uh, most of which are like animal rights, that sort of thing. All right. All right. Uh, as my my back to uh, circle around to Elijah Wood, get to the time when people realize that he's more than just a pretty pair of eyes. Um, little fun fact, Roger Ebert called him the most talented actor in his age group in Hollywood history. In Roger uh, Eder, Ebert's age group? Right. right <laughs> no. You are... You are a dummy, stupid head. Um, he studies singing professionally. He's very much into music. Um, now, in 2001, I think this is where things, for him anyway, went. To, made the biggest transition from that kind of child to teenager to bank, bankable box office star. Uh, and these three films alone uh, kind of will make sure that he never has to work again if he doesn't want to, or he can pick whatever he wants to do. Um, he kind of petitioned for the role of... Uh, Frodo in the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, which came out in 2001, followed by The Two Towers in 2002, and The Return of the King in 2003. And he continued to play the role in The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, briefly. Um, I am not a Tolkien fan. I, I get why these movies are good. I love Peter Jackson, and I enjoy them to some extent, but I, I don't quite get the uh, uber fascination with them. They're Anyone? amazing. Shut up. I, no, don't get me wrong. I, I I love them for what they are. I just, for me, I saw them once. I didn't really feel like I needed to see them again. Um, whereas The Hobbit, for whatever reason, Martin Freeman as Bilbo is much more entertaining than, than Frodo. We can no uh, longer be friends. But Gandalf <laughs> is, is the winner of all of them. Uh, in 2003, he was in Spy Kids 3D Game Over. He played a um, small but pivotal role. Uh, in 2004, he played in, in one of a movie that I just I love without question uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind that we've mentioned earlier uh, me too I actually love that movie it's such a non sequitur kind of romantic slash tragedy slash I don't know what all it is it's just so bittersweet uh, I love it and the main character's name is Joel so you can't go wrong um, well, and no, nothing's perfect. You've got Kate Winslet with multiple <laughs> colored hair. Uh, you've got uh, Mark Ruffalo, who most people know as the Hulk now, but is an actual actor that does other things. Wait, he's not actually the Hulk? Nope. <laughs> Elijah Wood. I thought that was a documentary. <laughs> of course. It was. And Jim Carrey in, as Joel. Uh, if you ever want to have your heart broken and then repaired and then broken again, watch Eternal Sunshine as well as mine. Um, in 2005, he did a more serious turn in Green Street Hooligans. Uh, in 2005, again, he was in Sin City by Patrick's favorite uh, writer-director, Triple Threat, Mr. Frank Miller, which this is where you really start to see Elijah Wood tr make that turn to the things I think he really wants to do. Uh, in Sin be, City, he played Kevin. The kind of, what's that? Be creepy as shit. Exactly. He plays Kevin, the kind of serial killer-y, <clears throat> creepy guy with the long fingernails that jumps around. And cursing. really, really uh, idiotic character. Let's just not forget that. Well, anyway, it's it's very dark. His character is not at all the Elijah Wood that you would know from back in the day. Um, in 2005 as well, he did another film called Everything is Illuminated, a nice little uh, film about 
Jewish boy, and uh, it's it's interesting. You should see it. Uh, in 2006 and 2011, he did two of the biggest turds I've ever seen in my life, Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2. Hey. Uh, quite possibly the most heavy-handed eco-terrorism films ever put to screen. I hate them so much. I, 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 un, I without question, I Eco-terrorism? do not. Eco-terrorism? Yeah. <laughs> it, I don't think you were watching the same movie, man. It's about a dancing penguin. Who is saving the world from eco well, not ecological people. People that are trying to do terrible There's things to his people. world. Yeah, yeah. And he so saves basically, it by bad guys. It's terrible. I just I don't like either. One. I didn't see the second one, but I, I'm going to hate it too. Down with baby seals. It's about penguins, not baby seals. It was about what baby seals. Them, whatever, like it's a sweeping change in the northern regions. We just yeah. need to get rid of all of them. Take I agree. I right like now. clubbing baby seals. Boots and pants. Boots and pants. Um, from 2011 to 2014 he did the uh, the uh, Australian import import version of Wilfred which is just a completely bizarre (laughs) show that was uh, produced by the Zucker brothers I love that show it's it really is very good but you have to be open minded to watch it if you if you just refuse to to swallow the core concept you're not going to like that show at all but if you can get behind it it, it's 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 a fucking riot and it's actually one of the most creative shows that was. Uh, yeah, because, the, because the, core co- the core concept of the show is he's I mean, you never really know exactly what's happening. But basically, he's the only person that sees this actual Australian sheepdog as a person in a dog outfit that could, he could communicate with. Everybody else sees it as a dog. And just the interaction between the two of them, knowing that when, when he talks to him, people see him talking to a dog. And when he interacts with it, people see him interacting with a dog. And if you get behind that concept and like think about what's going on you know, in a meta kind of way, it's really, really funny. But it's really – it's a very dark comedy. It's like a black yeah. comedy in a lot of ways. It's 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 bizarre. And I, I watched it because of Elijah Wood. And I it took me a few episodes to get into it. But I, I still haven't finished the last season actually. But um, – Really in, the, in, the, in, in the pilot episode, there's a scene where uh, some guy's on his motorcycle and he's making a lot of noise, and this guy is just shouting at him about what a, what an asshole he is, and you can just kind of hear it. And it's not until later that you realize, like later in the in the episode, you realize that was actually the dog barking at the motorcycle, but <laughs> Elijah was already hearing him as a human screaming at the mic. It was really, I mean, it's really funny, really cleverly written. Yeah, it's it's really good, and it's available on Netflix streaming, I believe. Um, before I get to the last film in, in, that I wanted to talk about, it's not his most recent, but it's the one that interest, is interesting to me. Um, along with his love of music, he uh, actually opened a record label called Simeon Records in 2007. Uh, first album they produced was by the Appleson Stereo called New Magnetic Wonder. He was also the first member of the official Lord of the Rings fan club. And last but not least, the, the thing that made me pick him, aside from that I, I just like him as an actor... Uh, in 2013, he started a horror production company called the Woodshed Horror Company. And if you've ever seen the document, documentary uh, American, no, Nightmare Factory, it's it's all about special effects, primarily uh, KMB and Greg Nicotero. But Elijah Wood is in it, and uh, um, he loves horror. That's like his bread and butter. So he made a, a strictly a production company to make horror films. One of the first ones they produced was Toad Road, which is available on Netflix streaming. Um, and then the one is that he the starred. Batman villain? No, 
it's one that he starred in and was a remake of the, um, uh, can't think, William Lustig classic Maniac. Uh, he played the title character. I just watched it like two months ago. And it is really, really, it's, it, if you've ever seen Elijah Wood before, you've never seen him like this. He's a uh, serial killer in New York that stalks women and scalps them after he kills them. Nice. And he owns a mannequin store and he puts the uh, scalps on the mannequins and he sees them as real people. It's extremely bizarre, but so I respect healthy. the man because he uh, he made the right choices as an actor and he segued that into something else that he loved. And now he's doing what he wants and enjoying being, you know, a celebrity and a big star. Very cool. Not like Mark, Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights, though. Anyway, I am going to take my leave of absence because I feel like garbage and I need to get some sleep. So thank you all. Hooray. All right, Joel. Good and, to get, uh, get better, man. Don't forget that uh, we all have to talk on this plan about going to uh, New Orleans. So, Oh, to fight crime? Yep, we got to yeah. work on that. I got my dinosaur. Knock, knock. All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Good night. All right, so now that he's gone... Dance party. All right, I I am stepping up with uh, Yi, whose name I am na- unable to pronounce. Me and Bialik. Yes, her. So after after 2000, you know, she did a lot of voice stuff. She keeps doing this. She's got all TV series. She voices uh, characters in uh, Kim Possible, on uh, Acme Sat- uh, something called Acme Sat- Saturday Night, another short-lived TV series. She's she's on Bones. Lots of little like, oh yeah, that's her. You know, that's you know, little stepping in in things. Um. She was on a show called The Secret Life in America of an American Teenager as Dr. Wilhelmina Bink, and also on a show for called Untitled Web Series about a space traveler who can also travel through time. Where she played a what? character called Boots. What? Yes. And she was also in... That the, was the show title. Yeah. And she was also in The Inspector Chronicles, Untitled Prequel about a space traveler who can also travel through time. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. And currently, act, acting-wise, she is in The Big Bang Theory, playing Amy Farrell. A Fowler. What? Uh, what? Yeah, I knew that. That was a, that was a fake. Oh, that was a fake. A what? Fake out. A fake. Oh, you are so sly. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime. She has decided that she's going to get an education. She got accepted to Harvard and Yale, but decided that she was going to go to UCLA. Now, she did another, this. Now, another I want, brilliant woman. Yes. Now, I, here's the thing. She actually, this all kicked in at, at the end of Blossom, but this is something that kind of carries carries over into uh, into now. Uh, she stayed, said that she wanted to stay close to her parents and didn't want to move to the East Coast. She earned a, uh, a Bachelor's of Science degree in Neuroscience, Hebrew Studies, and Jewish Studies, and then went on to obtain a doctorate in Neuroscience science she took a break and decided fuck it i'm gonna go back to acting yeah and then she took a break in 2005 to go back to acting and then she decided in 2007 she was going to get her phd good for her exactly now here's the thing her this is her dissertation is an investigation of hypothalamic activity in patients with prater will syndrome titled hypothalamic regulation in relation to maladaptive obsessive compulsive afflictive and satiety behaviors in prater will syndrome i think i gotta go back to college just to understand the title i so you know what that's i think the answer is four yeah i don't think it was math (laughs) 
So, I mean, I mean, if you want to talk about somebody, a, a child actor who has remained successful, she hasn't done anything huge in in acting wise. I mean, she's been she's been Blossom and she's been on uh, Big Bang Theory. She plays Amy Amy Farrah Fowler on Big Bang Theory. But in the meantime, you want to talk about somebody who took the money and took the, everything that they got from acting and turned it into something good. I mean, she's got a freaking PhD in neuroscience. When I read that, I did not know that before I started researching. Oh, it. you didn't? No, oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yep. I mean, because yeah, I'm on the I'm on her fan club. That's why I would know that. Uh, but no, I mean that's just honestly, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed because you see so many child actors that just like go off the deep end and lose it, and you know wind up on like I said, you know, selling blenders in the middle of the night on uh, Shopping Channel. Who did you see selling blenders? I don't know. Oh, I'm so, just curious. I thought I thought maybe you were referencing oh. something you saw. No, I'm a kid star selling. <laughs> Blender. <laughs> like Willie Loman. Yeah, there was a bit of a scare not so long ago with her. Uh, she got in a pretty serious car accident. Did she? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't. See, that's, I mean, yeah. that that's how, you know, how much I've been out of it on her. I mean, it's not like I've been following her, but let's see. Personal life. It doesn't have anything in here on her. On her game. Yeah, it all. Yeah, it almost took uh, took out her hand. Wow. Yeah. Uh, last year, uh, she was driving in her white Volvo in August, and a Mustang uh, hit her uh, in a Hollywood intersection. So a Mustang filled with uh, Chilean tourists, <laughs> and uh, yeah, her finger was almost completely severed in the crash. Ew. Were they the miners on vacation? So quickly we forget about the Chilean miners? Yeah. No, no, I, I don't think we really forgot about them. We just, yeah. <laughs> Never cared. <laughs> no, I'm talking about you. <laughs> oh, what? Huh? Yeah, huh? So, but no, I mean, she's done a lot of cool stuff. I mean, she's still doing, you know, doing the voice acting and doing that sort of thing. But, you know, took her, took a good chunk of change that she got from that show that I can't believe was on for as many episodes as it actually was. And yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And yeah. ran with it, man. I mean, so good for her. So. All right. Joseph Gordon-Levitt for Patrick. Oh, that's me, isn't it? No, you're Patrick. You're not Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> no, this is Patrick. <laughs> in the early 2000s, um, when he got when he left Columbia, he started appearing in a whole bunch of intense, dramatic roles in small, independent films. He kind of became the king of indie cinema by 2009 when he got a Golden Globe nomination for 500 Days of Summer with Zoe Deschanel, who I know Josh doesn't care for, right? Uh, I can take her later. I love her. But anyway, um, he also adapted and directed a 24-minute short film based on the Elmore Leonard short story Sparks. Uh, I haven't seen that one. In 2010, he established himself as a mainstream star in Christopher Nolan's Inception. One of awesome. my favorite movies. The, so good. The scene where he's fighting in the hallway as a whole oh, thing man. is rotating and they're running up the walls. I could not believe how great, how well filmed and how well acted that guy can. And just how sharp he looks in a suit. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then pulls himself off as, I mean, you see that this stringy haired kid from Third Rock and then you see him, you know, pulling the pistols out and doing the doing the fight and then holding himself up as quite the badass in the movie. It was yeah. very cool. Yeah, yeah, he was great in it. Um, and then kind of, you know, he, he kind of ran the balance of Hollywood and independent film when he got another Golden Globe for the drama uh, 50-50. You guys seen that? I, ha- I haven't seen that, but I want to. That looks really good. Oh, man, I tell you, I've had way too many people in my life die of cancer, and I've been through too many chemo sessions to have gone to go see that movie in the theater. <laughs> oh, because I, I went to go see it with with a friend of mine, and about five minutes in, when they open up, they, they open in the doctor's office, and he gets diagnosed with cancer. And 
And I just looked, look and turned to my friend, and I'm like, this may have been a bad idea. <laughs> and I just start crying. I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, but a great movie, though. I mean, he's amazing in it. Uh, also, Seth Rogen, Anna Kendrick, Bryce Dallas Howard, they're all in it. And really, all of them are very, very good. It's a really good movie. I highly recommend it. Wow, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Um, then he worked again with uh, Christopher Nolan on The Dark Knight Rises and went from that into Looper with Bruce Willis in 2012. Both of those happened. I thought that was a lot better than people were bragging on it about. I still haven't I seen agree. it. I agree. I still have not seen it. They made, they gave him makeup to make him look more like uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah, like he could be a young Bruce Willis. Mm. Yeah. Because they're, they're, the Bruce Willis is definitely not going to let them make him up to look like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, that's for sure. <laughs> He's like, no, you make him look like me. I'm Bruce Willis. Um, also that year, 2012, he played Abraham Lincoln's son, Robert, in the Steven Spielberg Oscar-nominated Lincoln with Daniel Day-Lewis and Sally Field. That is a awesome movie. Lincoln? It, yeah. That's my that's my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis movie, if I had, you know, if I had to pick one. Hmm. Um... In 2013, he was, uh, this was his starring in his, eh, let me start that over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually use English this time. In 2013, he starred in and wrote his feature film directorial debut, Don John, opposite Scarlett Johansson and Julianne Moore. Have you guys seen this movie? I have not, but I want to. Yeah, still on my list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. There's a little, you know, it's it's a little bit uh, in some, some points pretentious, but it's, it's actually, it's good enough that I bought it, so I'm, um, well, you've got Howard it, the Duck too, so that's not saying much. Well, that was not by choice. Thank you very much, Brian. Or was it Brian that sent it to me? I can't. Yeah, that's Tommy the Duck. Tommy the Duck. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Tommy the is Duck Brian, is Brian. Right? Brian yeah. Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again, Brian. Anyway, yeah. Um, the most recent thing he was in was uh, Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller's Sin City: A Dame to Kill For. He plays Johnny, a character that Frank Miller created just for the film. Huh. And his pet project—we've mentioned a lot of them of other people's. Um, he founded and directed uh, Hit Record. Have you guys heard about this at all? It's an open collaborative production. No, no. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, they create and develop art and media collectively. It's the re- the website hitrecord.com. Anyone with an internet connection can upload your record, download and remix everybody else's records work on any project together and when they're when they're produced and they make money hit record splits the profits 50 50 with everybody that contributed in the production nice they've put out all you know they put out records and books and they're about to have a tv show that they're going to actually write together collaboratively it's it's pretty cool that's it on jgl all right All right, so now we are to mr will wheaton or as uh those of us who Habitate the internet, call him your majesty. <laughs> uh, after you can even summon him on Reddit, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, after years of uh, apparently working on things that are not exactly toasters, uh, he came back to uh, acting mainly through voice work. And we've seen uh, voice work be used as a transition uh, from child acting into an adult career many times now. Um, but aside from the voice work, I think what really propelled Will Wheaton back to fame as an adult has been his writing. He's been very prolific. He was one of the early, very popular bloggers, both talking about his time on Star Trek, uh, his feelings about uh, his career as a child star, and uh, his ideas about the world and his life as a gamer, uh, a geek. Uh, and a husband and a father. Uh, he's worked uh, in cartoons, video games, audiobooks, uh, anime, 
just uh, done a whole lot of different things. Uh, he's done and, a really good job of showing that he's not the douche that Wesley Crusher was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sometimes he, he lampoons uh, his old persona or decides that he's going to be an even bigger douche uh, in uh, a different way as a character. Uh, he was a pretty supreme douche in the web series The Guild, which I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen it. It's good. Sort of a vaguely World of Warcraft uh, themed uh, web series that was written and created by Felicia Day, who's a very close friend of Will Wheaton's. Um, And the two of them are also involved in her Geek and Sundry. Uh, The two of them are partnered up on Geek and Sundry doing various geek-themed shows, uh, including he is the host for Tabletop, which is a board game-based show on the Geek and Sundry channel. Which is great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you'll see a lot of both uh, internet celebrities and people from, like, the Whedonverse will kind of wander in and out. I know Alan Tudyuk was in an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also showed up on Leverage, which we talked uh, mentioned in passing earlier. And he uh, has played himself on The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I think, lampooning uh, himself again really well. Yeah. Obviously. And I think that one of the things that a lot of people have come to know him for has been his activism. Uh, in general, uh, one of the things that he's asked people is just like, don't be a dick. That, that's his basic rule. It's like if uh, – and I, I know sometimes when we do comedy, like I find myself – uh, taking a look at something I've said and going, you know, that was kind of shitty. And uh, I, I think kind of as a middle-aged white dude, you kind of have to be real conscious of just not being shitty sometimes where you realize that if you're taking a shot at somebody, bullies punch down at someone who's weaker than they are, where it's probably better to punch up. And I don't know. Down. I kind of I like punching inferior people. Well, that's that, yeah, you're being a dick. <laughs> don't do that. No, I, I definitely, like, if, if there's someone that hasn't had the same advantages I've had where I make fun of them for a cheap laugh, I know I've done it even on this show. And uh, I, there are a group of people, including Mr. Wheaton, who have brought me around to the idea that, you know, maybe that's not the most intelligent, grown-up, mature thing to do. And I, no, I still do it. Funny. Sometimes it's funny. Yeah. But I think funny trumps all. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Oh, your opinion sucks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on uh, to Leonardo DiCaprio. Who? Hmm? Uh, Lenny. Never heard of him. <laughs> Lenny. Lenny Skazfam. I forgot his, his name. <laughs> Good old Lenny Skazfam. Lenny Skazfam. I, I don't think it was Skazfam. Yeah, no. Um, He's an Indonesian Portuguese. All dude. right, so yeah, <laughs> after after taking a break from his uh, fame and everything from uh, from the Titanic juggernaut, uh, in 2002 he finally comes back and bursts back into the in, into the top of the <laughs> Titanic <charts>. juggernaut. <laughs> uh, he he starts. Uh, He's got a leading role in Catch Me If You Can in 2002, a great movie with Tom Hanks where he plays uh, Frank Abagnale, a con artist who has bilked people out of millions of dollars over the years just by impersonating different types of characters and such. I think this is the movie that changed my, my opinion of him. 
Really? It's well. I mean, he, I liked it. I liked this movie. I, I Titanic is the one that turned the corner for me, and this was the one that convinced me. Yeah, I like this guy. See, See yeah, I think I've <laughs> always kind of liked him, but I, I think I go all the way back to like Man in the Iron Mask. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't like that. I didn't like that movie, so I didn't. Yeah. yeah, I always considered him overrated, but and like the one that Hollywood was kind of fawning over. But it wasn't until Catch Me If You Can and then um, Inception. Was yeah. another one where I was like, "My God, he's really good." So, well, we're gonna get to Inception in a little bit. Yes. Also, in 2002, uh, was his first of many collaborations with the director Martin Scorsese, Gangs of New York. We've discussed this in the past. I know we have. Yes. Yeah. And we, we did the Scorsese. You weren't 100 percent sure of that, were you? No, I know we have. I know, I know we have. We, all, have. Know, we all pretty much have completely different opinions of this movie. All four of us. Yes. I mean, there's like yes. one of us on every level of the spectrum. Yes, mine is. <laughs> yes, I there are many it. opinions. Check out the Martin Scorsese show for said opinions. Yes. yes. He was. Uh, and then from that point on, he was he was suddenly just thrust into the role of being a, a, the lead in all star casts in movies such as The Departed, which we've also discussed as another in, in our Martin Scorsese show. Great movie. Shutter Island. Again, Martin Scorsese show. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's Inception, which we just talked about a little bit ago. Amazing movie. One of my favorites. See it if you haven't. If you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? And then another favorite of mine. In 2012, he played the villain in Django Unchained. It's on Netflix now. Oh, it was. he was excellent in it, and I think that it was just a very, very good movie. Yeah, just really, really excellent movie. I want to see it, but due to the situation in the house with children and things, and you never know where the hell they are. Right. <laughs> yeah, probably not child safe. No, 100% not child safe. <laughs> not in the slightest. Poor D'Artagnan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Django Unchained, another great movie. See it if you haven't. And uh, then he also played Jay Gatsby in The Great Gatsby, a modern-day adaptation of the movie, very stylized with a very, very stiff and horrible Tobey Maguire in playing the lead character. Just really, really bad. I don't I don't dislike Tobey Maguire, but he was just awful in that role. I suppose that's fair. Yeah. Um, and his pet project, like we've been mentioning everybody's, uh, as almost everybody in the Western Hemisphere knows, the environment, humanitarian causes, things like that. Um, you know, he was one of the first ever to drive a Prius and brag about it to everybody. He was, you know, um, he's he's on all kinds of... He, he did the documentary, The Eleventh Hour, that you know was a pretty in-depth and serious look at all the problems that we have in the environment. Um, he's donated personally a million dollars to earthquake reliefs uh, in the year 2010, and then the same year he contributed another million to the Wildlife Conservation Society. So, I mean, he actually is putting his money where his mouth is. Cool. But I mean, I really he's he's become one of my favorite actors. Actually, you know, I used to really kind of despise him, but now he's actually one of my favorites. All right, cool. So, <clears throat> Neil Patrick Harris, or as he has become now, NPH. <laughs> it's is okay. Starting up in two thousand. Neil Patrick Harris was almost heading in the same direction of the of child stars. He's he's doing uh, little one shots on um, on TV shows as you know he was on Touched by an Angel. You know he was in he does voiceovers in uh, the Justice League cartoon. He was in uh, one shot in Undercover Brother. He played Lance. You know just like not these really high end movies. He did the voice of Peter Parker in Spider Man in the 2003 series. I didn't realize that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's actually really good. I mean, you can, I mean, again, it's another one of those, the kids find it, and I'm in the kitchen, and I hear Neil Patrick Harris, and I'm like, where the hell is he coming from? But uh, he plays, he does good Peter Parker. But in 2004, 
holy crap, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> and he played himself. Yes. A coked up horn, just the biggest jackass, self-centered <laughs> prick you could possibly think. Just such a lampooning of like the typical frat guy. And he's just like this this drug-addled, pussy-hound, hysterical, like, car-stealing. I mean, he stole the whole movie. He really yeah, did. Like, he did. Yeah. Well, and he, I mean, as they go into Guantanamo Bay and the uh, the Christmas one, I mean, where he has that whole musical scene, <laughs> was... But, I mean, he does, he, again, he's not, he's keeping it level. He's not really doing anything in, like, the, like, the Leonardo, uh, he's not like a Leonardo DiCaprio, where he's doing Inception, where he's doing these amazing movies and that sort of thing. I mean, he, he did Harold and Kumar and then did a one-shot on Law and Order. I mean, uh, you, you can't deny that he is having a, a fun time. No, that's the thing, though, yeah. is that he <laughs> is friggin' everywhere. Yeah. He was on well, Sesame Street. Yeah, and <laughs> I think a lot of that has to do with after he broke out. Out, uh, with uh, the Harold and Kumar thing. I mean, it's a pretty big follow-up to go to How I Met Your Mother, which I'm sure you're getting to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're getting up to there, but I mean, it's all the stuff he's done. He plays, what I just saw, he played the fairy shoe person on Sesame Street. And, nice. Uh, and, of course, Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. He does the voice of uh, Barry Allen, uh, the Flash, in Justice League, the New Frontier movie. So he does, you know, he gets his name in there. 2008 is another point where he came to uh, came to another head, and you saw just incredible how uh, how awesome he was and how great of an actor he was and how he doesn't take everything 100% seriously. And I think that's what his draw is. Yeah, that's one of the things I really like about him because I always appreciate somebody that, that yeah. laugh at themselves. It's like he does he does this the, does these shows and he does whatever you know whatever he's doing but he's always got like the wink and the nod to the screen. And 2008 is when Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog came out. Josh, I know you've seen it. Oh, yeah. I saw Patrick. it uh, within hours of it going up. Yeah, same here. Patrick? No, I have not. I've, oh been, I've heard God. people that I need to see it. This, you, you do need to see this. Yeah, if it's, you're a fan of NPH, if you're a fan of Firefly, you really have to see it. It's also one, another project with Felicia Day. Yeah, I just the, love it so much. And the the reason this one came around because this is during the uh, the screenwriters uh, strike, and this is when um, Josh Josh Whedon got together with these guys. It's it's got uh, Neil Patrick Harris is Doctor Horrible and Billy. Nathan Fillion is Captain Hammer. Felicia Day is Penny, uh, and then Jed Whedon. Is you know there's there's a lot of like you know Simon Helberg I, I don't entirely know who he is uh, uh, yeah you know but, Simon Helberg. oh yeah yeah yeah. Big Bang yeah he is too okay I'm sorry they got a picture of him with like his hair is straight up it's kind of weird. and a, a couple of weeks ago we mentioned uh, Jed Whedon's wife Marissa Taranchoan mm-hmm. uh, she's the once again real instrumental in the creation of it yeah so they got together just you know the the screenwriters were on strike nothing's getting made so joss whedon got together like hey let's do a quick movie and they made this and it was posted online and it's you can get it on dvd now and you buy the soundtrack um and he's got a really good voice yeah he really superhero internet musical yeah pretty much and again, from and then he goes back into the you know after that he did the Sesame Street thing. He did a voice of a character on Saints Row Two, uh, and also a uh, he did the voice of Wallace Wally Wesley in Eat Lead: The Return of Matt Hazard, the video game. Uh, he played the music meister on Brave and the Bold, uh, Batman: Brave and the Bold. 
Hmm. Yeah, and then he's all over the place on uh, Robot Chicken, also playing everybody from Two Face to uh, Jack Sparrow. One of my one of my favorite lines from Stephen Colbert was uh, when Hugh Jackman and Neil Patrick Harris hosted. Uh, was it, what was it? The Oscars that they hosted or the Emmys? I can't remember. Regardless of what it was, they hosted something and they did the opening dance number together. And Stephen Colbert is a it's America's gayest straight man and America's straightest gay man. <laughs> <laughs> That's. That's what, and, uh, yeah, when he did the opening, was it to the Grammys where he did that leap through the uh, through the ring? Yeah, that I mean, he's just so I don't want to say he's full of himself, but he's got like I said that wink and the nod, like I'm doing all this, and I know it's ridiculous, but it's awesome at the same time. I think that was actually the Tonys because I, uh, the whole uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, the whole musical number was like musicals; they're not just for gays anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Now, he also does the voice of one of my favorite characters, and that's Steve from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Now, since the other parent has gone, have either of you watched Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Uh, When I was working uh, in uh, teaching high school, yeah, I ended up seeing it. It was one of the movies we showed to the kids. I don't know that I watched all of it, but I know I've seen, like, at least half of it. Okay, it's. I think it's worth it. I mean, but then again, I've seen so many of these that it's. It reaches a point where you kind of get numb from it. But it's uh, Bill Hader, Anna Ferris, James Caan, uh, Andy Samberg, uh, Bruce Campbell, Mr. T, Neil Patrick Harris, Al Roker, Will Forte. I mean, just a ridiculous cast of everybody in this. And Neil Patrick Harris plays a monkey that carries around. He has like a little strap on his head where he can, this little box he carries around can read his thoughts and change it into words so what year was that uh that was 2009 okay yeah and then he he, he's playing on this fact i I mean he's like aiming directly at us he's like hey you guys knew i was uh doogie hauser so he's showing up in like spider-man shattered direction shattered dimensions a video game he plays the voice of spider-man again in cats and dogs revenge of kitty galore uh he plays a voice in batman under the red hood he plays a voice in nightwing uh, he did something in 2010 called Dracula's Daughters versus the Space Brains, which I have to look up. Yeah, and, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was been in the Muppets. He's been in both Smurf movies. And uh, coming, leading all the way up to things like uh, he plays Dr. Blowhole in the Penguins of Madagascar uh, TV thing. It's like he's aiming all the stuff at the parents of the uh, kid stuff, but kids whose parents watched him when he was a kid kid actor. You know, so it's like, hey, my God, we got to watch that. It's, it's Doogie yeah, Howser. Almost, almost everything he does is tongue in cheek, too. Yeah. And How I Met Your Mother, I have it in Barney Stinson. I just want to think in my head that that is exactly the way Neil Patrick Harris is. <laughs> well, I, I think mean, that's why they talk about him being the straightest gay man. I yeah. mean, you've got him playing like the ultimate uh, womanizer in nine years. Uh, that, that show went on from nine seasons, from 2005 till just this year. 208 two, episodes. Two too many for that, for that show. Yeah, and uh, currently uh, he's most recently done uh, two shots in the most recent American Horror Story. Oh. Yeah. I'm still a couple seasons behind on that. Yeah, the new the uh, Coven just came out on Netflix, so... But, um, yeah, he also does, uh, he also went back in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, too, which, I mean, he's, he's cashing in on the fact that he was a child star and all the parents of the kids that are watching the cartoons that he's in are going to watch him because it's him. I would not have watched Smurfs if you had paid me, but then I saw that he was in it. I'm like, this has potential to be pretty funny. Yeah. It wasn't, but I gave it the chance. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it had potential. It had potential. It had Neil Patrick Harris. So, yeah, he uh, also does the voice of Prince Gumball on Adventure Time, too. So, All right. Yeah. So, I mean, he's doing good. So. Oh, super, Superman does good. He does well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do we got on tap for next week, gentlemen? Hang on. Oh. Not nice. <laughs> oh, did you hang up on Pat? <laughs> yeah. So, um, sorry. Next week, <laughs> Kid Stars, The Bad. Uh, yeah, the we've awful, got uh, the terrible. We're going to revisit this topic one more time before we get to talking about the Christmas season. Yes. And uh, we talked about those who uh, came out of their child stardom kind of smelling like a rose we're going to talk about those who just kind of came out of it kind of smelling like (laughs) (laughs) yep so uh that's next week and uh, hopefully joel will be with us and he doesn't wind up getting still sick uh if you'd like to catch up on say the scorsese episode (laughs) you can find our backlog on itunes uh we're on also on blueberry on stitcher and on talk shoe and if you want to give us a call and uh, give us some ideas, let us know, you know, what you think about the show or just want to. Uh, don't do that. Yeah. In some cases, just rant, <laughs> yell, you know. Load talk, your weapons. Yeah. Load your weapons. Talk about <laughs> guns. Sure. We've been there. We can do it again. Uh, that's uh, 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. You can also reach us via email at 40go14 at gmail.com or tweet at us on Twitter at 40go14. All right. All right. Let's go find ourselves some uh, hot messes for next week. <laughs> I call Indy Lohan. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek podcast network. Stay geeky, my friends. Well, the guys really muffed it this time. Christmas is coming up and they completely forgot. So I've slapped them around a bit, and next week's show is going to be about the little-known Christmas music that's out there, like Beck's Little Drum Machine Boy. Yeah, there's some real gems out there. I won't let it happen again.